Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals. All thanks to McDonald's. Maccas. Together and loving it. TNCs apply. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. Good morning, New Zealand. Ian Smith here from 9 to 12. It is Wednesday, the 20th, in fact, Thursday, the 22nd of July, which means 22 days into dry July. Nine long days and nights to go. But I will make it, folks. I've got some great sponsorship. Uh, I've got some great guests on our show today, too. Brody Retallick very shortly. Hugh Bainon, listen to this lineup uh, on basketball. Glenn Jackson, man of many hats at the moment. Bernadine Oliver Kirby, my boss, Jimmy Kays. Louis Herman Watt, Paul Mawati, Dean Lonigan, Chelsea Alley, Michael O'Keefe. They're going to get us through to midday with some interesting topics. Just unbelievably interesting topics. The Olympics, we've got football, we've got basketball. Uh, and of course, we've got rugby. First up, we've got some rugby. Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, remember Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, directed by Guy Ritchie, starring Vinnie Jones and Jason Statham? I do. What a great movie. Well, how about this one? Lock, Stocks and Four Smoking Barrels, directed by Ian Foster, starring Sam Whitelock, Brody Retallick, Scott Barrett and Patrick Tuopoloto. It's a hot feature. It promises to be a big box office this year. And more to boot. Has there been a time in our proud rugby history when our engine room has looked more powerful? I doubt it. I really do. This is a hell of a unit and a luxury, to be fair. The future? Well, that's Paddy Tuopoloto. And he has re-signed for the long haul and will have, as well, a sabbatical in Japan. That's hot off the press. Scott Barrett, the family's forward representative, has been strong and reliable and versatile, filling the sixth jersey when required. He is safe and solid and more. Sammy Whitelock is now a truly great All Black. Longevity is always a sign of that. Currently, an amazing 125 performances in the black jersey. And currently, the stand-in captain. Carved in stone and nary a mention of the finish line in sight. And now probably the best news of all. Brody's back. Full power is restored. The big, bruising Central Hawks Bay man is back. He's had his quota of sushi and sake, and now it's time to resume some normal transmission. In his absence, the engine has been ticking over just fine. But now that Brody's back, expect maximum power to return as well. Fully fueled, 
The Aussies can expect full barrels at Eden Park on August the 7th. They hate it there anyway. And that is a lock. Oh, the memories. The memories of the big man working in tandem alongside uh, Sam Whitelock. It was beautiful to see him back, uh, honestly, when he ran out at uh, Forsyth Bar Stadium in Dunedin just the other day. And it was uh, equally good to see him coming on off the bench uh, as well in Hamilton. Uh, Chiefs man, of course, played over 100 games for the Chiefs. Hasn't played enough uh, for Hawke's Bay, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, he is uh, an absolute legend of the game. Uh, a little bit worried about the fact that he might not come back from Japan, but he, he of course, is now back and uh, fully operational back in the all-black jersey. And I imagine that he's pretty pleased to be doing that. He's just joined us on the line now. Good morning, Brody. How are you, boy? Yeah, Ian Smith, how you going? Oh, I'm really good, mate. How's Japan, in all honesty? I mean, did you enjoy the, the sushi, the sake, the cultural side of it, first of all? Yeah, we loved it. It was... Um... It was an awesome experience, like you say, the Japanese people. They were so, so welcoming and warming, and, and we got amongst trying all the different foods and the drinks and doing a little bit of travel. Um, we were a little bit restricted the second season with you know, COVID, and understandably they wanted us to try not to catch it so we could play, but um, on the whole it was still a great experience. A lot of players say it's a little bit of a hard culture to pick up because it's so different from New Zealand, but you, you sound as if you, you sort of embraced it. Yeah, I think um, we're probably a little bit lucky in our club too. We had um, seven, or, seven or eight um, New Zealand players and a, and a South African and stuff, so we had plenty of um, familiar faces around, I think you could say. So. And also when we arrived, um, Andy Ellis had been there for five or six seasons, so he could point us in the right direction. So, yeah, it seemed to be um, pretty seamless, I think. Brody, if I, if I asked you what standard of rugby would the club rugby you've been playing at in, in Japan compared to a standard of rugby back in New Zealand, what would you to sort of say it equated to? Um, I think it would, you know, probably be at the lower, you know, sort of some lower kind of level super rugby, probably. If you feel like the, the speed and Skill is is pretty good um, on you know five or six teams, but yeah, you, you can't deny there's no hiding the physicality is nowhere near a Super Rugby level on that side of it. Um, and saying that, you know the kind of top six teams, you know your Panasonics, your Kubota, Suntory, um, those sorts of teams, they they are on a pretty good standard, but is, there's still quite a divide between you know the whole competition. You could say I think at the moment. So now that you're back home. What kind of uh, adjustments? Has it been a bit of a, a playing culture shock to get back into an all-black camp, which is probably more high intensity? Has it been a, a bit of a culture shock to, even though you knew what you were probably going into, has it been hard to get used, used to it again? 
Uh, it hasn't been too bad. Uh, there was certainly some, I think the first time we at Tane and packed down the scrum, um, I stood up and the old back wasn't quite, you know, the, just the load and the pressure of going through a, especially like a, a test level scrum was um, a mile apart of what I've been used to. Um, and then in saying that, it had been a few weeks since I last played and playing 80 minutes down the lead and um, the other week I was pretty sore for three or four days afterwards. So, yeah, I guess, you know, getting back to the speed and physicality of test rugby in particular has is, is taken a little bit. But on the whole, um, yeah, I've just been trying to get stuck in and trying to get back to a good level. Well, I didn't uh, play you against Tonga, and that was a cakewalk, 102 nil, and, and obviously the physicality side of it just wasn't there in that match. But Fiji certainly gave you... Uh, a little bit more than perhaps you even were expecting it. That was uh, an amazingly competitive, physical, physicality-wise, two two match series. Yeah, it was crazy. I think you know, obviously the the Tonga game was a bit of a um, <coughs> a big victory, and then yeah, I think the Fijians you know they come out and Dunedin certainly and and put up tons of pressure for a lot of that game. And like you say, they um, big men that just ran hard and straight. Um, but, you know, it was a bit of a learning for the team. I think we've got to expect that every week, you know, it's Chiefs rugby and, like, it's not going to get any easier this, this season in particular. You know, the likes of South Africa and Argentina and the Australians coming down to New Zealand. It's, it's what we've got to expect every week from now on. Has the environment, the all-black environment, changed? You've been out of it for, for two years. Um, has it changed in any way, really, for you? Uh, there's still the, the, the basis of the you know, the same the same values and, and the way we want to play and, and stuff like that. I think um, you know, the one thing I kind of notice is, is the, the young players or the younger players, I say, like you know, Kira and um, David Harvey and, and boys like that have just now probably feel a bit more comfortable. And I think um, that probably shows on the field and at training that the kind of younger players that have come to New Zealand rugby are now stepping up to test level. And you know, that's pretty awesome to see, I think. It's uh, 9.12 here on SENZ, and we're talking to uh, All Black Lock, Brody Retallick, who is back in the fold, and uh, we're glad about that. Uh, Greg Feek is your scrum coach, and, and John Plumtree, the forwards coach. Uh, so what are their styles like? Yeah, they're good. They're, they're good. Um, you know, Feeky, obviously, has spent a bit of time in Ireland, so um, he's very technical and... Um, and doing some great work. You know, it's different to what I've been used to with Mike Cron, but um, yeah, definitely not in the bad way. So it's getting used to the way they they want things done, and um, which is good. Also, you know, it's a little bit refreshing, and and uh, change is always good. So yeah, I, I think you know, especially scrum and line out time, we're going to see some results. But you know, like we say, there's going to be some more pressure put on us in the next um, upcoming series. So we'll see how we're going then. Yeah, well, that starts, of course, on August the 7th, all going well. And that's the other thing, the world that we're living in at the moment, mate, you can only plan for what is on the calendar, but you just don't know, do you? That There's a great uncertainty about whether that game, even with uh, travel problems in Australia, whether that might eventuate. Yeah, that's right. I know I've been talking to a few people um, this week, you know, being back down around the bay and kind of saying what the season's looking like and they kind of look at you with a bit of shock but yeah I guess you know with what's going on you can only kind of plan for what's in front of us but it's changed pretty quickly so yeah who who kind of knows I suppose.
Well, the Aussie scene has changed, obviously, since you were around uh, international rugby. Of course, one of your great mates and uh, former coach, Dave Rennie, is in charge there. You know exactly what his style is like. What would you be, uh, having seen uh, and being very competitive against France and, and in the end, uh, just running out winners in that series, what would you be expecting from uh, an Australian side? Yeah, it's going to be interesting coming up against Rennes, but you know, I think, well, if I, if I, like we kind of used to play with it, the Chiefs, you know, he wants a full pack that's going to roll the sleeves up and you know, scrum and more and be physical around the breakdown. Um, I think yeah, they've got some pretty exciting backs and um, you know, one thing about Rennes' style of play, he was always prepared to give it a crack, even if it's only from your own try line, if it's on, it's on. So you know, you're going to have to be aware and be ready for anything that they're going to throw against you. Um, yeah, coming off that victory against the French, they're going to be um, the belief's going to be high, and no doubt looking forward to getting into the Blitzers though. The locking stocks I, I talked about before are, are so strong at the moment. Uh, you know, what's the environment like for you? I mean, you owned you owned your gig when you before you went to Japan, but now of course uh, Scotty Barrett's been there in your absence, and now Pat Tuipalotu is, is making a charge as well. Is it more competitive, you've noticed, uh, to get that jersey, perhaps alongside Sam Whitelock? Yeah, I think so. There's obviously, like you say, those boys have um, been playing really well. And there's five of us. I think it's the first time it's been five locks in the All Black squad since I've been there. So um, that shows you know how much talent's around. And, you know, I guess even against all positions, you know, he's like in the battling out, there's some strong competition in the midfield, but you know, competition for a um, any place or even your own is only good because it keeps pushing you along and you don't get comfortable. So, yeah, it's going to be uh, interesting. And um, I like, like to say, I'll put my best foot forward out there and show what I can do. And, um, yeah, hopefully be packed on Saturday. Tupuvai, of course, is uh, lock number five and uh, he's only just really arrived on the scene and very much the apprentice in the group that is ahead of him at the moment. Back in the bay, how have you enjoyed being back in the bay compared to being in Tokyo? <laughs> well, like you said about the cultures, it's probably a, a world apart. You know, you're driving down the road and seeing the apple trees and the orchards and whatnot. But, um, yeah, we've been loving being back in the bay. It's been great. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to enjoying it some more. We talked to Sam Kane the other morning, and he th- he's re- rehabilitating and trying to work his way back into rugby at some point later in the season. He said he would be looking forward to playing for Bay of Plenty, just for a Hawks base point of view, is there any semblance, any semblance? I mean, bearing in mind we've got the shield, mate, is there any semblance of a chance we might see you in the black and white hoops? <laughs> yeah, I'm not too sure. Um, I, I would, I'd have loved to. Um, I guess it depends if I'm pl- um, playing test matches or getting much game time there. Um, will be the one, but yeah, I, I was... I'd also like to think maybe in, in a few years as um, the career comes to an end that I'd hopefully get a chance to be able to pull on and play a few games here or there if they needed me. So um, not too sure about that right now, but hopefully in the future I'd love to get a few more games. On just, the, just one on final board. question. Oh, mate, if you're there, I'm there. I, I promise you. I'll, I'll deem it to be on the sideline if you, if you deem it um, the right thing to turn up. So I'd, I'd really look forward to interviewing after a successful Ranfurly Shield defence. Just one final question, Brody, on uh, on Japan. Uh, you haven't been back from Japan that long. Of course, the Olympic Games has been a talking point. COVID has been around a long time. What did you sense? What did you sense uh, from the man on the street, the people that you've been in contact with, 
about the Olympics and, and their attitude towards the Olympic Games taking place when you were there? Yeah, it was it was a little bit hard to um, keep up, obviously, with you know, everything being Japanese, but from what we see and you know, what we talk to, people understood that I think the Japanese culture or people population on the whole were kind of against the Olympics. So they, they weren't really wanting to have it. Um, I know there was a kind of a, a poll or a vote that went out and then it was in big favour of the Olympics not happening. Um, but yeah, I guess, I guess it's a pretty spot to call it off or, or um, postpone it again. Um, no, they're trying to put their best foot forward, but yeah, it'll be. Well, I hope it plays out well, but it'll be interesting to see what comes in, you know, in the next sort of two or three weeks. That's for sure. Yeah, certainly. Well, mate, uh, all eyes on Tokyo at the moment. At least uh, we've got some action underway overnight. Hey, Brady Retallick, uh, thanks very much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I've got to say, on behalf of rugby fans, it's so damn good to see you back in that black jersey. We'll catch you at Eden Park in a couple of weeks' time, mate. Go well. No worries, thank you very much. Yep, Brady Retallick there, folks, uh, spending some time down in beautiful central Hawke's Bay at the moment before he rejoins uh, the all-black camp. Right, uh, listen, 8833 is our text number. It's been so busy uh, over the last couple of days. Our phone number, of course, is 0800 150 uh, Give us your, your impressions, your top locking combination, OK? Your top locking combination uh, is Brody Retallick in it alongside Sam Whitelock, or does he have to wait a little bit? Uh, as far as you're concerned. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the topic of the morning for me anyway. Our top locking combination. We'll be back very, very shortly. Uh, we're going to be uh, talking to Hugh Bainon as well, just after 9.30, about the NBA and, of course, uh, some very important NBL games in New Zealand as well. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Nothing gets past Ryan either. Smithy, just remember who won the last BOP, B-O-P versus uh, Hawke's Bay game. Who's the real Bay? Yes, okay, at the moment. Uh, I live in Hawke's Bay, Ryan, and you live in the Bay. I'll take that. 8833 uh, is our text number. Keep them rolling on in. And uh, 0800 150 811. And the reason why you should call that number is painfully obvious if you want to go to Perth, because you can go as our guest, uh, and a, winning a trip for two, uh, you'll get uh, return flights, of course, two nights accommodation, breakfast, pre-game function, including food and drinks, premium reserve seating. It's all part of Ballpark Entertainment's promotion with us here on SENZ, and we thank them uh, eternally for that. That is a heck of a prize first up to win. It's a wonderful stadium, I can promise you that, and it's so beautifully located, uh, about 20 minutes walk from the CBD in Perth, and about a 10-minute walk and a three-minute sprint to the casino. John, Dave, you pop in here, actually. I've got a, a couple of things to ask you. Uh, Lions team. The Lions team has been named. So Gats has named his Lions team for the first test against the Springboks, Cape Town at the weekend. The standing thing for me, the thing that stands out, no Connor Murray, who's been one of his go-to guys, particularly when he was coaching Ireland as well, uh, but the one that really surprises me and pleases me, actually, because I don't like the, the, the Pratt. Uh, Owen Farrell is on the bench as well. What do you make of that? Yeah, Owen Farrell, who loves a shoulder charge, doesn't he, to the head and getting away with it. So he's on the bench. Yeah, and Connor Murray, who was the original captain of the Lions, of course, uh, he has been benched too. So I'm not sure whether Warren Gatlin wants experience to close out a game for him or whether he's gone with the hot hand and Ali Price from Scotland, who I actually don't know a, a lot about. But Scotland were pretty good 
in last year's Six Nations. I think they play a more up-tempo sort of game. So they've got Stuart Hogg at fullback from Scotland, Ali Price also at halfback and a winger, Duhan Vandermeuver, a very Scottish name, uh, there on the left wing. So three of the seven backs are from Scotland, which is very surprising. Um, and Conor Murray, I just think his delivery's a bit slow. Uh, he used to be, or close to, the, one of the best halfbacks in the world uh, back when Ireland were beating the All Blacks semi-regularly um, and a great player and captain for this tour, but not wanted for this first test. I, I think that's interesting as well. But, geez, that's a really strong bench, though, isn't it, Smithy, with Kyle Sinclair there as well, the prop? Sinclair came in, of course, uh, late into the side. He wasn't in the original uh, named uh, group from Warren Gatland. He, he actually came in late, but has quickly forged his place on, onto the bench anyway for the test lineup. Yeah, Liam Williams is the utility back at the back out of Wales. Uh, Dan Bigger is wearing the 10 jersey, and of course he'll have the kicking role, and, and that's usually against the Springboks in South Africa, a massively important role. And you remember Dan Bigger had that amazing routine uh, about his kicking style, which was uh, was almost like he was scratching himself and itching himself, and he had yeah. all sorts of allergies before <laughs> he ran into kick it. But a deadly accurate goal kicker. Uh, so uh, big role for Dan Bigger. Yeah, huge role. I I rate him actually. I think he's got stronger, especially when he had that um competition with Gareth Anscombe, who went up there and started to push Bigger to be a bit more attacking. So he, uh, quite often for a Northern Hemisphere first five, you, you just kick and get your team around the park, but. I think Anscombe kind of made Bigger lift his game. Uh, I think he is the right guy at 10. I see um, Owen Farrell as more of a 12, but they've gone with Robbie Henshaw from Ireland. Very experienced campaigner there with Elliot Daly, who's more of the flair and the pace there at centre with Anthony Watson on the right wing as well. So plenty of pace uh, in that back line. They haven't gone for the dual playmakers like we like to do down here in New Zealand. They've gone for specialists in each position. Uh, this is going to be really tight to call, isn't it, Smithy, this, this first test and the series? Yeah, I agree. I totally agree, actually. I think the series will go right down to the wire. I've got uh, Mara Atoje, of course, at uh, the lock. He, he's a brilliant player. Yeah, uh, Young, still relatively young, but experienced to this point uh, in his life. And Alan Wynne-Jones, uh, the captain, of course, the inspirational captain, who just not that long ago dislocated his shoulder. So that is an intention of just how tough uh, he wants to play the, the whole damn thing. I'll tell you what's interesting for me. I've been watching a bit of telly too, um, just to try and relax a wee bit at night. I saw an Olympic ad last night, uh, John, and, and it was a promotion about doing the impossible. Um, and it was it was really cool ad. Uh, but I noticed it was it was by Toyota. It was all about Toyota. Uh, and Toyota have pulled all the advertising in Japan, but they're certainly still doing it here. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, that is interesting because it's just so unpopular in Japan, the fact that the Olympics is going ahead. They've pulled their ads. The most prime time, like people die to get their ads on during the Olympics. It's like getting an ad on during the Super Bowl. You'll pay mega bucks. You're try getting out to the biggest audience you possibly can. But Japanese people hate it so much that Toyota has pulled their advertising in Japan, which is quite incredible. Like, that, that's amazing to me. Yep. Okay, so uh, that's... Uh the issues of the morning in terms of rugby, a little bit of Toyota as well. We've got so much to talk about uh, coming up uh, with Hugh Bain on. I'm really looking forward to talking about the NBA. Now that it's done and dusted, it's an abbreviated season. What isn't it as long as it normally is? But it certainly reached its crescendo yesterday as the Bucks won it for the first time in 50 years. Yeah, well, it's 9.32 here actually on uh, SENZ Sport. Uh, this morning, and can I just say, I watched that yesterday uh, as long as I could, and I thought it was fantastic that the Bucks won, and I, I thought that they perhaps would win, 
having won away from home at Phoenix uh, in Game 5 to get that advantage. I, I think it was always going to be tough for Phoenix to get there yesterday. Uh, but it's also good that you know they won by a comfortable enough margin that they were able to, down the stretch, down that last part, know that they were going to win and just bask in the glory of it. Hugh Bainham, no doubt, was watching it play by play. He's, uh, of course, a, a Sky Sport basketball commentator, great analyst of the game. Uh, he was on the panel with us yesterday. Uh, we've got him back this morning because of his basketball expertise, and we really do need to talk about it. Hugh, good morning to you. Morning, Smithy. Yeah, it was great, wasn't it? It was. It was funny actually. I was signed down in in Potirua for the uh, for the New Zealand NBL Final Four, which kicks off tonight. And and we were. All, I was with the Hawks Bay Hawks doing some interviews ahead of the broadcast tonight, and we were huddled around someone's phone watching that that stretch, which, as you mentioned, was in essence a victory lap for the Bucks in front of their home fans. It was awesome, right? How good was that? Uh, well, it, ju- it just was. Uh, you know, and we've had some amazing individual performances throughout the series, throughout the history of NBA basketball, to be fair, but uh, none better, I wouldn't have thought, than uh, Giannis and Tito Kumpo. I hope I've got that partially right anyway, the Greek freak they call him. Uh, he's sensational yesterday. 50 points, Hugh, 50 points in a pressure game like that? Yeah, 50 points in a, you know, to seal a championship in front of your home fans. And we mentioned yesterday on the panel that Giannis, um, was one of those guys who had a who had a chance a couple of years ago to say goodbye to the team that drafted in the Milwaukee Bucks and head to somewhere like LA or New York or Chicago or Miami, one of the bigger market teams. He stuck with a small market team that hadn't won a championship for 50 years, uh, and now he's accomplished what he needs to accomplish, right? And he'll go down as one of the greats now, a 50 piece to win a championship in front of your home fans. You know that's rarefied air. You know that's LeBron James air, Kobe Bryant air, uh, Michael Jordan air. You know, and I'm not saying he's at that level just yet, but he's on his way to that level. Um, and that, that'll go down in history, like you say. And how fantastic is it that it's an international player, you know, a Greek player? This year, the MVP of the league was Serbian. Uh, the finals MVP uh, was Greek. Um, one of the best players in the league now in Luka Doncic is Slovenian. So basketball is, you know, it's a truly global sport. And that is now being shown at the highest level in the NBA. Look, he was fantastic. Giannis was absolutely fantastic. But uh, to me, over that six-game period, was Middleton not a better player? Was he not, was he not a better contributor overall to the Bucks' performance? Well, potentially, you know, and that's, it's a tough one to say, right? It, how do you, how do you, to, how do you, um, you know, calculate that? I, you kind of think back to the Breakers teams and the Tall Blacks teams where, um, you know, Perry Cameron or Phil Jones or Kurt Penny would get all the points, but Dylan Bouch is doing a lot of the hard work unnoticed, but noticed by his teammates. And that's kind of what Chris Middleton did uh, as well. I think it's pretty hard not to give it to the guy who dropped 50 um, in, the, uh, in the, the, final, in the, the final game. But Chris Middleton, and Chris Middleton, the Giannis Antetokounmpo, and only the two only players who have been there for so long, the rest are a new group of Bucks. So awesome that those two... Um, have stuck it out with the Bucks, like I say, a small market franchise. And for fans of small market franchises like myself, a fan of the long-time struggling Sacramento Kings, uh, it, it fills me with hope, Smith. You're a masochist, mate. You're an absolute masochist. <laughs> Sacramento Kings. Goodness, goodness me. I mean, I, I'm, you know, I'm not Sacramento Kings, not by any stretch of the imagination. I'm, I'm sort of floating to try and follow Stephen Adams from a New Zealand point of view. So I've gone off mm. the thunder. I've gone to the Pelicans a wee bit, just a wee bit, uh, of course. So 
uh, Kazan's there as well, and that, that's, that's an interesting combination there. Uh, I'll get to uh, what's coming up and what you think you foresee some of the teams looking like next year. Uh, just getting back to the Bucks, though, 50 years. That dates us back to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Is it that long ago? 50 years? That, now that's serious time. Serious time, right? To be a, to be a, a fan of a franchise... 50, and I know every year, you know, there's 29 losers in the NBA and one winner, and it's a, it's a really hard thing to win. But 50 years is a long time to wait. So for, there'll be plenty of, uh, well, there'll be plenty of sore heads in Milwaukee, I would imagine, this morning, uh, or whenever it's the morning when they wake up after it. But, uh, yeah, fantastic for a team like that. I know there was a couple of shootings at one of the celebrations. Uh, no one died. There's a couple of injuries, so they do party hard, win, lose, or draw uh, in America. There's no doubt about it. Let's look at the other side of it, shall we? We look at the Phoenix Suns. Game five, losing game five at home, that was crucial because it was always going to be tough to come back on the road against that. And Chris Paul, uh, poor old CP, who'd, who'd been looking for his first ring. Uh, it was a romantic sort of scene when they first made it to the grand final and there were tears and all sorts of things, mainly on his behalf because it's been such a battle. I don't think he fronted to the level that uh, they wanted him to, did he, to be fair? Uh, yeah, fair, but I'd also say it's fair to not let the finals define the season that Chris Paul had and the impacts he had on the Suns roster that no one was tipping to make it to, you know, within two games of winning an NBA championship. Um, so, yeah, maybe they worked him out, the Bucks, uh, in those final four games, but I think he's had a phenomenal impact on Phoenix basketball. And now what happens to him now? You know, he's 36 years old. He's got a decision to make. He's got a player option on his contract, which means if he wants to stay, he can stay. It will be worth staying because that option is worth $44.2 million. Um, he's got until August the 1st to opt in. So what's that, like eight days, seven days in the States, or, uh, sorry, nine days in the States um, to sign an extension if he wants to. Uh, or he can move on elsewhere. And the only place he would move on elsewhere is somewhere where he thinks he can win. That's clearly what Chris Paul wants to do and needs to do for his legacy and uh, to finish his career is to get a ring. So he might think that Phoenix is the place to do that, you know, with Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. And we said yesterday on the panel again that the Bucks went through that adversity with well, a couple of close series in the last few years. And I feel that we see it in all sports, not just basketball, that you have to go through losing to get to winning. You know, only the very lucky few go straight to winning. Um, and so I wouldn't be surprised if he re-signs with Phoenix for a couple of years. Uh, and thinks that this is the place where you can get that championship. So we're in a break now, obviously, now that the NBA season is over. It's such a long season. It doesn't seem that long, of course, till it'll be underway again. When does the chopping and changing, the trading, and when do the new-look squads start to take shape? Pretty much immediately. We've got eight days until the draft, eight days till the NBA draft, so that's when teams will start thinking about what their teams are going to look like next year, uh, do they trade draft picks? Do they start with some youngsters? Are there any youngsters that could be game-changing right now? So it's going to start immediately. And all these other teams that haven't been in the playoffs, I mean, that's what they've been doing for the last month, is is planning their team for next year. So interesting to see. It's going to be a very different-looking NBA next year. I mean, hopefully we see some COVID restrictions lifted if the world you know, continues to get back to where it, where it used to be. LeBron James is going to be back fully fit. You know, let's not forget LeBron James for the first time in however many years we didn't see him down the pointy end of an NBA season. He will be there towards the pointy end next year, injuries allowing. So the Lakers are a factor again next year with, with James and Davis. Maybe they add to their roster as well. So, um, I mean, that, that thinking about it now, that could be somewhere Chris Paul goes. 
good friends with LeBron James, wants to win a championship. LeBron James has got a pretty good record of winning championships. So a uh, lot to change over, over this offseason, and it's going to start immediately. Fortunately for New Zealand basketball fans, there's absolutely no sign of any COVID where you're going to be tonight, mate. And that, of course, is the NBL playoffs in New Zealand. The Saints are the hottest of favourites on the TAB to beat the Huskies. And the Hawks Bay Hawks are slight favourites to beat the Southland Sharks. Uh, what are your predictions there? Yeah, pretty much that. You know, the Saints and the Hawks are the two best teams left in this competition. The Sharks and the Huskies have both been rocked in the last couple of weeks by losing players, you know, former NBA big man Chris Johnson, he left with a couple of weeks ago in the Huskies regular season and Alonzo Burton, uh, the sharpshooter from Southland, he broke his hand just last week, which is gutting for Alonzo about to play in his first ever playoff series. So the Sharks and the Huskies have nothing to lose in their semifinals, um, which is dangerous in itself for them. You know, the Sharks side are really well coached, um, going up against the Hawks Bay side that gave it to them in Invercargill, so that's a bit between their teeth. And, and let's not forget the Sharks side are really riding a wave uh, a crest of an emotional wave at the moment with the return of Alex Pledger after his cancer diagnosis at the start of the year. He came back and played a few minutes in the last game of the regular season, so that's really spurring them on um, with Chiefs' return to the court. But having said all that, I can see the Hawks getting through the Sharks. You know, maybe single digits, but in a relatively close one. I can see the Saints dealing with the Huskies with relative ease and then giving us the final that the neutrals really want to see, and that's uh, the Hawks against the Saints. So it's had a lot of history in the last few years. Hell of a final back in 2019. The Hawks beat the Saints in Napier this year. The Saints beat the Hawks in overtime in Wellington this year. And I think I think that's a really tough one to call, if that is the grand final tomorrow night. Well, we've only been on air four mornings. I have anyway. But I'm very, very convinced straight away that Hugh Bainan's going to be a regular on my show uh, because uh, he's just <laughs> been so... Uh, with your expertise, mate, you've just uh, informed a, a lot. Uh, of people about how you perceive it went and how you perceive it's going to go. So I look forward to talking to you again often in the future, mate. Thank you very much, Hugh Bainan. Thanks, mate. Ah, no problem at all. Okay, 8833 uh, is our text number. Uh, how classy was the Phoenix coach going into the Bucks dressing room as well at the end of the game to congratulate them? I thought that was absolutely fair. That's one of our texts coming through. Uh, great chat with Brody Retallick this morning. Double happy that you always managed to show... Plenty of Hawks Bay support. Uh, you know, I'm going to do that. I'm an unashamed Hawks Bay fan at everything we do in this wonderful province. Paradise, I like to call it. Don't tell too many people about it because we don't want you Aucklanders coming down to live here. So that, fair enough. I, I just want to uh, reiterate 8833 uh, and the number is 0800 150811. Please call us. You can be a winner yourself. But there's plenty to talk about this morning and uh, don't be afraid. Uh, look, coming up very shortly, I've got my multi for you, and there may or may not be a Hawks Bay basketball leg in there. You have to wait and see. You're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 9.49 here on uh, this Thursday morning. It is the 22nd of July. Texts uh, keep coming in, which is great, 88.33. Really do want your calls, folks. We'll put you to air, and you can have your say, your your bitch, your moan, whatever you like, or, or your compliment. Uh, here's uh, a, a question that's come through for us, John Day. You might have the answer to this. Matt from Invercargill, Invis, he says, on the squash semi-final today, and let's not forget about that, Paul Cole, uh, how do the first and second-ranked world players end up on the same side of the draw? That's with uh, New Zealander Paul Cole at number one. Now, 
His match is uh, around about lunchtime today, the semi-final of the World Champs, yeah? Yeah, that's what we're being told, about um, one o'clock today. And Paul Cole is not ranked number two in the world. He's on his way there, but he's ranked number four. So four is playing right. one. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be tough for him against Muhammad Al-Shabagi, who is the world number one, because Muhammad has beaten Paul Cole eight times, and Paul Cole has only beaten him once. So um, Paul Cole's, a, we, we hopefully talk to him at some stage uh, this week, and especially if he wins the World Championship, Smithy would love to get him on on Monday morning because he has just come on in leaps and bounds, hasn't he, over the last couple of years? Um, a tough game, squash, and he plays it bloody well. Well, and it's a very lonely pursuit too. I remember back in the heydays when there used to be a number of New Zealanders uh, in the top echelon of squash players particularly. Uh, of course, we go back to Susan Devoy, who's uh, one of the greatest of all time and one of New Zealand's greatest ever sporting people. Um, she's just fantastic, Susan Devoy. Uh, and now, of course, we've got Joelle King, who, who incidentally lost in the quarterfinals yesterday. Uh, look, JD, yeah, it is. It's a, it is a tough sport. Too tough for me. Uh, and it's a bit claustrophobic for me as well. I like uh, the fairways and the rough, to be fair. I'm not sure about those walls closing in on me. Yeah. And they need a defibrillator behind the court for me as well at the moment. So uh, squash is a real spectator sport for me. Uh, another issue where we could talk about this morning is, of course, the Olympics got underway for us last night. Uh, and uh, I've got a text uh, coming in the, to say, great to hear you guys up and running the football ferns. The first half was absolute rubbish. The first Aussie goal came from a very poor decision. Uh, but having said that, uh, the scoreline read 2-1. But my understanding is uh, from the bits that I've watched, Aussie pretty much dominated the game. Yeah, unfortunate for the football ferns. Yeah, they were just chasing the game the whole time. A consolation goal at the end from Gabby Rennie making her debut, getting on the pitch, the 20-year-old from Christchurch and uh, scoring a goal. So happy days for her. But yeah, just you know, just so many years. I think there's 30 games in a row now the football ferns have failed to beat Australia dating back to 1994. So it's going to be a tough road for them in Sweden, 3-0 over the USA. So it's going to be a bloody tough pull for New Zealand. Yeah, well, Aaron, is, uh, just the second part of Aaron's text was to go on and say if they don't make better choices, they're going to get thumped by the USA. Just run that through me again. Sweden, three. The United States, no, I saw the highlights of this. The first half, Sweden could have, could have scored five. They could have scored five. What is happening there? I mean, this side was impregnable. They're one of the hero sides of American sport. Uh, are they just redeveloping? Are, are, they not, are they not sort of taking this seriously? I can't imagine it not taking it seriously. That's the issue for me. Uh, we might come back to that a little bit later in the morning because that was a thumping and the first real surprise of the Olympic Games. He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Superman! Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when the hold Know when the fold Smithy's multi. Know when the walk away Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Well, here we go. It's multi-time again, and I'm still alive in yesterday's multi, believe it or not. Uh, it's taking forever for the tennis match to be played between Mikhail Ema and Feliciano Lopez. I've got Ema there at uh, $1.62. That's alive because yesterday the Chicago White Sox had a five-run eighth innings to get ahead and win. Uh, they won 9-4, to four, and the Bucks, of course, we talked about that throughout the morning. I thought uh, that was a bit of a given. They got up as well. So we're still swinging on that one. The return for, for that is an absolute beauty. So uh, we'll hold on to that. Today's one, I think, is an equally good opportunity for you to make some money. 
Uh, tonight, we've got some NRL back on. It's Thursday night footy. Eels to beat uh, the Raiders. I think they will win comfortably. But I've got them to win both halves. So first half, second half, they'll be in front. Both uh, occasions, $1.75 there. I will take the Hawks Bay Hawks as my second leg. Uh, that's to beat the Southland Sharks. That's a buck fifty. And Hugh Bainan, a lot of good feedback for Hugh's little segments on the shows already. Uh, so yeah, and I trust them. So a buck fifty for that. Uh, and then a, a bit of Major League football coming in from America today. New York City, a buck forty to beat the Montreal Impact. Now, if you combine those up together as a multi, you get three dollars sixty-seven. I think it's pretty cool. It's not a, a bad result at all. Three dollars sixty-seven. Uh, some other texts coming in. Hawks Bay will lose the shield against Otago. Then Canterbury will take it. Good on you, Chris. And where do you live? Uh, thanks for mentioning the squash. The struggles to get any airtime despite New Zealand having two of the best players in the world. Understand that it's not a high player numbers, uh, so it gets low priority. Best game in the world to play and to watch. Uh, of course, uh, all our TAB, we've got to make sure that you gamble responsibly. Uh, you can go uh, to the tab.co.nz line. Uh, that's the app, of course, and uh, download that today. It is news time with Trudy. Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 10.03 here on SENZ, uh, busy second hour coming up uh, very shortly. We'll be talking to a man with uh, so many hats and a really cool guy too, Glenn Jackson. Uh, later on, we heard a panel discussion, uh, probably go for 10, 15 minutes or so, with uh, Jimmy Case and uh, Bernaline Oliver Kirby. A lot of subjects to talk about there. Bernaline Oliver Kirby, incidentally, is my boss at Sky. Uh, Jimmy Case is just uh, an all-round great guy and a very knowledgeable guy as well. So... Uh, That'll take us up to uh, the news at 11. Uh, we've got Louis Herman Watt coming into the studio, and that, of course, is uh, part of our bloodstock segment. And Paul Mawati, directly from the TAB. Might give him a bit of stick this morning because he's been singing songs about Izzy and, and Baz and absolutely doesn't give a toss about us, quite clearly. So moving right along, uh, Glenn Jackson is with us on the line. Uh, I really like Jacko because he is, whatever happens at the end of the day, win, lose, draw, he is a, he's a good bugger. But he's got a, a lot of hats to wear, and he has been wearing them lately, of course, uh, when, um, as a, a very, very good first 5'8", particularly uh, for Bay of Plenty, the Chiefs. And then, of course, we also remember him uh, going from there into the refereeing side of things, where he uh, very quickly was fast-tracked through the system, ended up uh, refereeing international rugby at the very highest level with a lot of pressure on him. And now, of course, uh, he finds himself involved as an assistant coach with the very, very impressive Fiji side who uh, really have uh, made the headlines over the last couple of weeks. Good morning to you, Glenn Jackson. Thanks for joining us. Smitty, thanks so much for having me. You're a bloody legend. Love your show, so thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks, mate. Uh, listen, let's, let's get on to, uh, to the latest subject, uh, first of all. Fiji, uh, the performance in Dunedin uh, first up was absolutely outstanding. The intensity there that they were able to maintain what, what was it that you were able, uh, along with Vern Cotter and co, uh, of course, Jace Ryan, what were you able to put into them to play like that? Uh, probably went back to November, I guess, Smitty, that we had a pretty horrendous tour up there with the Eight Nations, uh, nine weeks together, one game, COVID, all sorts of sort of carry on. So it's like we'd been through a bit of uh, adversity up there and 
and so then getting down here and, and and be lucky enough, it was awesome that the All Blacks allowed us to to play them twice because we were supposed to play Ireland and that fell through. So the excitement levels of the boys to actually play some footy in a country that's COVID-free, essentially, um, you know, that they were they were up for it, and there are um, a lot of good players up in Europe. So you know, after sort of six or seven training runs, it was awesome to just get them out there and, as you said before, some pretty talented individuals and also uh, the way they played, I think uh, New Zealand got right in behind it and it was, um, it was great to see. Some of the scenes that I saw, the emotional scenes that I saw, they're singing in the dressing room before the game, they're singing in the middle of the field after the game. I mean, we're passionate about rugby, Look, we're Kiwis, we love our rugby and it's, it's so important to us, but that's a different level when you see that kind of thing. It is, and, and you know, when you take over a new team or any team, I think uh, one of the things that people always talk about or, or try and get is, is culture. Um, but there's not too many countries or, or teams in the world that are just uh, fully fledged uh, from their country, like Fiji are, and, and they've just got culture coming coming out of everywhere. You know, they they love each other, they love the country, and for most people in New Zealand, says so they've all been there, they, they just got to appreciate how much they actually love rugby. And uh, we think we're a pretty passionate rugby union nation but um you know they're throwing things around the island and playing footy with anything so their belief or their understanding of the game and, and just how much they enjoy it really helps and um you know like you said to, to hear some of the singing and they're just amazing amazing human beings and, and you know amazing singers which uh probably help half the kiwis don't sing because we're not that good at it no we're not we, we don't know to, how to do that kind of emotion we We've never really had to feel that, I guess. We're just a bit more flippant about uh, the way things go in this country, which is just good in its own right, I suppose, as well. Uh, look, you know, the thing that I think needs to happen, and you, you can perhaps qualify, better qualified to talk about it, is they need to keep playing, though. You know, it's all very well to have two fantastic performances like that against the All Blacks, but then you just go into a hiatus and the feeling drifts away, the momentum drifts away. I mean, Fiji need to keep playing and need to keep having access to the right kind of players. Yes, and as, as we've probably talked about, this Fiji Endura team that uh, can hopefully get into Super Rugby, um, that is so important for the development of uh, the next sort of breed coming through, which, is, you know, there are so many good young kids in Fiji that either come to New Zealand or go to Europe um, to have a pathway that they can stay in Fiji or be based wherever they need to be with this COVID sort of situation, but carrying on playing under a Fijian banner is going to be really, really important. As you said, uh, playing more games would be ideal. Um, unfortunately, you know, we sort of said goodbye on Saturday night. That's how it worked in the Fijian team. So in the change shed, a bit of carver and a couple more songs, and then that was it, you know, see you in November. So it's sort of... Um, it, it is, at the moment, uh, it makes it extremely tough. Um, it, it, we understand what we're in. It's, it's not like I'm crying about or anything, but it's just the way it is. Uh, and then November, we get with them again. So it's um, the World Cup, leading into the World Cup, you get about four or five more weeks extra together, which will be obviously very, very important to, to try and just get a few things together. But, uh, you know, if this juror, as I said, can get over the line, I think it's a much better pathway for for um, you know, the understanding of, of trying to keep keep the PGM players within close to their country. I looked at the standard that they reached, particularly in Dunedin, uh, which was which was very very good. And then I watched Australia play France straight afterwards, and I got the feeling I thought on those performances, Fiji would have either beaten them or pushed them right to the limit. Uh, and that's what I mean about competition. It's just a shame they're not going on to to play one of those two sides now because. Uh, they, on those performances, I think, would have threatened a lot of international sides around the world seriously. 
Yeah, I mean, um, obviously a lot of them play in France, so they would have loved to play France. I know they really get up for that every time they get an opportunity to play against their teammates. Um, you, you also got to understand that the, the moment, or as everyone knows, the situation we're in at the moment with the world, um, they, the, the poor boys had to have two weeks here virtually doing nothing anyway. So that sort of took away uh, the possibility of playing any more rugby because for two weeks they were down in Christchurch and we were able to just uh, coach in the grandstand. So... If it was a, any sort of normal year, then possibly there would have been a third test and that would have been, like you said, really good just to have another week and uh, play another team. Um, there's no doubt about playing the All Blacks two weeks in a row when they can change 14 players uh, makes it a pretty tough ask. Um, but as you said, they, they stood up and played really well. The All Blacks, I thought, played extremely well in that second game. So it was, um, you know, it was, it was great. To, I think moving forward for some belief that um, that the boys can have that the you know against the number one playing nation in the world, they, they stood up and at times played well. There's no doubt about it. Afterwards, we finished that. We you know, still conceded uh, virtually 60 points every game. So there's still a lot of work to go. Um, but uh, hopefully in the next two years leading up to this World Cup, we can sort out some of, some of those things. It's 10-11, folks. Uh, you're listening to SENZ, and you're also listening to uh, the very wise words of uh, Glenn Jackson, who's now going to put a, a, another hat on for us uh, as a former international referee, and you don't have to be friendly to them anymore, uh, to be fair. First of all, can you explain to us, and you know, and I really like to I see you guys in action most Saturdays. How does it work? You're all wired up, right? You've got two ARs, not touch judges these days, they're two ARs. You've got the guy in the middle, and you've got the guy upstairs. How much of it is teamwork? How much of it is... It's still the referee in the middle being number one. Uh, how do you feel about... I mean, there's so many questions. How do you feel about playing it on the big screen? Uh, Glenn, first of all, the, the issue for me is is how does it work for the people at home? Right. Well, I'll try and give you a quick rundown there, Smitty, around it. I think the, the whole idea is the number one in the middle is still the boss. Um, we we realise this game is, is bloody hard for that guy just to control, so... Uh, the offsides and whatnot is virtually controlled by the ARs, so that's really important. I mean, I think we've had a lot of big change out of that the last sort of three or four years around being a bit harder on that and trying to get more space for the game. Um, and then we go to the, the situation which everyone's probably frustrated with. I, I found it extremely hard when you're riffing around the TMO, and not involvement, but the big screen, um, what gets played, what doesn't get played, what they're seeing. The TMO's I mean, any test match, I think, has nine to fourteen screens, so they're looking at virtually everything, and then um, and then it's trying to get the balance. Of, okay, what what actually needs to be brought up and what doesn't? And as anyone in sport knows, Smitty, you'd know. Like at, at, in the moment, you, you can you can play, you can go, you can ref, you can do what you want. Then when you start stopping things down and slowing it down, that punches comes in. You hear, you, you know, what what has been said by World Rugby to look after. What is New Zealand's point of view? Um, what is the nation's happening? There's obviously a fair bit that goes down, so it's trying to trying to understand all that and then come up with the the right answer around um, around and it's mostly around foul play. That's the stuff I think that uh, frustrates probably referees, players, spectators, all, all the same. We we're looking at that and and, um, and you know at some stages you can come up with two three different answers and that's that's what we're trying or that's what the referee group is trying not to. To have, but uh, I think we're still having it. So, you know, it's it's a very difficult one. I, you know, I'd be a massive fan of no TMO unless just crack on. We've got siding officers; they can they can do their job. But uh, that's never going to happen anymore. So it's um it's just a balance of trying to get it all right.
and that's uh, a quick summary. Hopefully, it makes a little bit of sense. No, it makes a lot of sense uh, to me. Oh, I've seen it in cricket as well. Does it dilute your power having that many voices in your ear? Do you feel a little less with the, as the whistle man? And and also, how do you feel when it plays out with the crowd listening on the big screen at the grounds? How much more pressure do you feel there? Yeah, well, that that probably. Uh makes you either a good referee or an excellent referee. And what you said around the the pressure of everything else, um, you've got to be able to handle that and understand it and, and actually not think about it. And, um, you know, we, we're, some of the referees that are hanging around, been around for a long time, like, you know, Nigel Owens, I think, was really good at it. Uh, Wayne Barnes has gone through a whole lot of uh, ups and downs, but he still was one of the best, I think, when it comes to sort of uh, TMO interaction. So um, that that's the difference between between the top referees and the bottom referees. And I think uh, you said it, 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 there's a lot of influences and it's about just trying to understand them and, and trust your, why you're there and why you're doing it. I think uh, it's one of the most talked about things on Monday mornings, refereeing decisions or, or umpiring decisions, to be fair. Uh, and there's always one that seems to be ahead of the other. This week we were talking about one that didn't affect New Zealand or Fiji. Of course, it was France against Australia in the seventh minute of the game. And could have Betty, Marika could have Betty is sent off for that. I imagine you've seen it. Ben O'Keefe was uh, Johnny on the spot there. Uh, so we found out a couple of days later that uh, World Rugby have overturned any punishment. They can't overturn a decision because it's uh, in the past. But uh, how does a referee feel about that? And, and who is actually running the cutter here when it comes to cards? Yeah, well, Ben, I'd say, is one of my best mates out of refereeing. He's a great referee, and, um, you know, he's an extremely honest ch- character, and I, I haven't talked to him, but I would probably presume he's sitting there thinking, you know, what am, what have I done? What do I do that for at the moment? You know, it's one of those moments that I just talked about. He probably wasn't even going to look at it, and uh, might have been even a play-on situation. So then looking at angles, what World Rugby uh, aiming for, um, the safety of players, and then eventually you find a shoulder to the head and you're in that moment of thinking, well, geez, I think this could be play on, but I could be also red card. And that's that's the situation you just don't want to be in, like where it could be nothing to all the way up to something. And, and trying to get the balance in what you believe is the right answer to, to for the game and for the for the safety of the, of the players. And then, um, again, sometimes you can just get that wrong. And I think... Uh, it's good that World Rugby have sort of stood up and said, OK, well, that's, that's probably a little bit too far. Um, yep, the yellow card probably would have been the right right call. Um, as I said on Monday, talking to, to a couple of guys, oh, thank goodness Australia won, because, you know, then you've got a situation where mm. the referee's decision probably could have affected the game. It, it didn't in the outcome, and, and uh, those are the situations where you were, well, OK, this is a good learning for, for everyone, because... At least there was a, just a little bit too high in terms of uh, the punishment for, for what happened there. It's a thankless job, there's no doubt about it, but uh, the one I've got at the moment is a good one because I get to talk to people like Glenn Jackson who uh, inform us so much and, and we just get uh, a chance to uh, talk along with people who know so much about the game. So, Glenn, hey, thanks very much. Congratulations with uh, Fiji. That was outstanding and thanks for updating us a little bit on how refereeing works and uh, the system involved. Cheers, buddy. Cheers, Matty. Keep up the great work, mate. Appreciate it. Yeah, th- thank you. Uh, thanks very much, Glenn. OK, right, uh, short break. And after that, the panel, uh, we're going to uh, have some pretty hot topics. We can't leave the Olympics out, can we? Bernalina Oliver Kirby and Jim Case will be joining us very shortly.
From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Well, the panel this morning is uh, a really high-powered one. I've got great respect for uh, my two guests this morning. Uh, Jim Kay's journalist, TV producer, editor, media consultant, MC, radio personality in his own right, been on telly a lot as well. Uh, what about a resume there? But also, on the other side, on the other line, is Bernadine Oliver-Kirby. Hugely experienced, hugely respected broadcaster. I'm not just saying that because she actually is my boss as well, folks, but she is damn good at what she does. Uh, she's almost, uh, I've got to say, almost the queen of sports broadcasting in New Zealand. I'm heaping so much praise on you this morning. Bernie, how are you? If you could see me blush, Smithy, stop it. Hey, congratulations on your new gig. I've been listening this morning. Sounds great. Thank you very much for that, Bernie. We've got you on for your considered opinions on a number of subjects this morning. Are you feeling good now that, or better as a sporting person that we've had some Olympics uh, under our belt? We've had a couple of results, didn't go New Zealand's way, but we're actually playing some sport. Uh, has it taken your mind off of, of the fact of, of COVID, the virus and everything else about it? It, that's never going to go away, Smithy, and the debate will rage on until the Olympics close, seriously. Um, I believe the, the IOC is the only authority um, that can cancel the game. They're not going to do that. No one's going to cancel it. It was never going to go. There's far too much money at stake. So all the chat was for nothing. I think what's a little bit, not irresponsible, but disappointing is when Japan as a nation is gauged on if they want this in their backyard... When 70% say, no thanks, and the world is in the middle of a huge pandemic, and it goes ahead anyway, what does that say about people's wishes and people's um, belief systems? I think that's probably the disappointing thing. It was always going to go ahead. Do I think it should have? Absolutely not. But it's happening. I'm going to get on board and support it, and I hope that, uh, and, and I suspect that the problems are going to come, Smithy, once these athletes who have shown the love and perhaps shared the love come home to their own respective nations, and that's, I think, when we're going to see problems with COVID. Yeah, I, I think we might be lucky. Uh, the way our system works, Benny, I, I think you're right. But uh, in other countries, I think, uh, who've probably got looser regimes than we have, I think you're probably right. Jimmy, good morning to you. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Jim, look, uh, what's your feeling? Uh, you know, you're a, a considered man. You've been around the world. You've seen so many world events. But this is different. How do you feel on the matter? <coughs> It is different. I mean, uh, I just saw a story from Alex Spink, a, a mate of mine in English Geno, on a, on a shooter for, out of the British team, Amber Hill. She's a skeet shooter. She's number one in the world. She was odds-on favourite to win gold. Uh, just as she was about to leave, she came back with a, a positive test. And, you know, she's saying it's five years of, of hard work. I don't think the game should have gone ahead. Um, I think it's a testament to corporate greed, really, that they have gone ahead. Uh, but a little bit like Bernie, and, and it sort of reminds me of um, some of my friends' parents and, and indeed my own, well not my mum she didn't really care about the rugby side of it but some of my friends' parents back in 81 who were uh, fervently opposed to the tour uh, but were quite happy to watch the rugby so you know there's, there's in me there's that this is ridiculous this should not be happening during a pandemic uh, but boy if Lisa Carrington wins a gold medal and Val Adams wins a gold medal all those sorts of things I'll be, I'll be excited for them and jumping up and down for them so I'm kind of a little bit hypocritical, I guess, in that regard, because, as I say, I don't think it should have gone ahead. Uh, but if New Zealand does well, then I'll be happy for those athletes. 
Jimmy, the, the Olympics has been littered, though, in the past with boycotts, uh, political oh, yeah. interventions, etc. You know, you know, I mean, this is just another saga, isn't it? And, and it's a really, yeah. really important <laughs> and a meaningful saga that will be in the Olympic Games history forever. I think, I think the difference, though, is that the previous ones were political. This is health. And I think that's a significant difference. You know, that, that Olympic village is a petri dish of COVID. Um, you know, if you look at 84, if you look at 1980, uh, and even earlier than that, they were, they, that, that was political opposition to it, and you had countries not going for political reasons. But you're dead right. It's, it, it has been littered with those sorts of uh, cases. I just think that they are putting, uh, let's not get dramatic about this, but potentially lives at risk by having this, these, these games on. And as Bernie said, when you've got such strong opposition from, your own, from the country that is hosting it, and it is overwhelmingly strong, you have to wonder whether uh, it was the right decision to go ahead with this. Uh, look, I know there's lots of people uh, who, who it affects. Look at Gemma McCaw. She was picked for the hockey team to go last year. Uh, that got cancelled. That's the end of her career. That's, that, that, that's a reality of it. But, boy... You know what are we what are we saying about the importance of sport over everything else when when this is happening in, in such testing times? Bernie, you're on TV. Uh, you've been yeah. on TV uh, a long, long time. Uh, TV rights. How big a factor for you do you think is playing into this? Oh, as Jim said, it's, it's it is corporate greed. Deals have been done, and everybody wants their pound of flesh. Um, you know, it's as I said, it, it was never going to be cancelled. It, it was always going to happen. There's far too much money at stake. Who's going to be the one that pulls the pin? You know, you could have um, the New Zealand Olympic Committee saying, look, we don't feel good about this. You can have the athletes. At the end of the day, it's going to go ahead no matter what. I wonder about the value of the gold medals. You've got top seeds pulling out, getting, uh, you know, testing positive for coronavirus. They're having to go home. So does this decrease the value of a medal if it's not the top seeds taking part in whatever sport it may be. Will we in, down the line remember that or will we just remember the medals themselves? That's what I'm wondering. Is how much gravitas do they, does, you know, does a medal hold for the 2021 Tokyo Games? Mm. Um, as Jim said, I'm yeah, going to be cheering them on. I'm not sure about that. You, you look at, you look at um, uh, Rob um, Walker, Walker's... Um, uh, gold medal and when was it Smithy 76 they didn't have the wonderful mm. um, I can never say his name um, there was the, the, the other his, his main rival wasn't there uh, because the black had boycotted the, the Olympics Philbert Bay thank you thank you so much we still celebrate that as a, as a gold medal I don't know whether the absence of other people will detract from it at all I just think that'll go uh, we'll look back on it with a massive sort of asterisk of Boy, boy, you know, hopefully we've got away with that without anyone losing their life over it. Yeah, well, you hope you. that those uh, medals aren't be followed by a sentence of that. Of, you know. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, they won the gold, but so-and-so wasn't there. You know, that's my worry.
That's a fair point. Simmering away. Hey, look. Sorry. I was just going to say, Jimmy, hold that thought. We've got to go to the news. Please don't go away, you two, because this debate I'm loving, and I've got a couple of other emotive issues as well in two or three minutes' time. But we do, as you well know, in the media, have to pay our bills, and we have to find out what's exactly happening at the right time of the hour. And that is now. And here's Trudy with all those relevant details. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. I'm loving this panel discussion. Uh, I'm just so pleased they've hung around uh, post the news. Bernadine Oliver Kirby uh, is uh, with us this morning. And Jim Kays, I've already had a, a little bit of, uh, I guess, a difference of opinion, which is great. We're allowed to do that uh, in life, but we'll really encourage it on this particular show, Bernie. So I, I reckon a good acid test there on what a medal means from these games would be to talk to someone like Val Adams, eh? Absolutely. And, and you know, you look at um, what was the Belarusian Stupchuk, wasn't it, who, who tested positive and had robbed Valerie of her moment on the podium getting that medal. So I guess, you know, it, it wasn't a fantastic analogy for me, but the fact that we're still talking about it, the fact that these people have not competed against um, the top flight for whatever reason, whether it's been political, whether it's been um, health, you know, it changes the dynamic. And that is my worry is that down the line that any medal that we get might be followed up with the, the uh, sentence, yeah, but so-and-so wasn't there because of COVID or whatever. So it's not a, a slur on the person getting the medal. God knows that they've worked hard enough to be there. It's the fact that this whole COVID issue changes the dynamic. Are we at a level playing field across the board? Some of these some of these teams have had zero games in build up. You know, these athletes have had, you know, no competition internationally. Whether our track and field haven't, that, that was that was all cancelled. Mm. So it changes everything. And that's my worry is that yes the games are gonna go ahead. I'm gonna be cheering in the corner for them. It's just not quite gonna be the same. Yep. Uh, look, I don't think you get a lot of uh, disagreement with that, Bernie, and very valid points there. I'm just gonna change tack a wee bit here. Uh, Jim, uh, and go across to, to rugby. Uh, I see Paddy Tuapalofto is now uh, re-signed with New Zealand Rugby, which is fantastic news. Uh, we're strong in the locking department, but we need him as well going forward. But it seems going forward, um, the softener now seems to be the norm as a Japanese sabbatical. Is that how you see it? Yeah, it, it is the norm. And um, look, if, if Losing Paddy for the Super Rugby season of next year means that New Zealand Rugby keeps him through to I think it's twenty 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 five. Then then you know that's the lesser of two evils, isn't it? I, I thought uh, Ian, um, Ian Foster really summed it up nicely in an interview that he did with um, with Jeff Wilson for the breakdown, where he said, you know, there's two ways this can happen. One is that we can lose them forever to Europe or France, or we lose them for a season to um, to Japan, and you know we. I think we would all agree no one would begrudge anyone earning some money. So if he can go away and, and earn a, a you know considerable chunk of change uh, with one season in Japan and then come back and play rugby in New Zealand, then to me that's that's the better of a bad situation, isn't it? Because we can't compete in New Zealand. You know we just can't compete financially. So if we lose them for one season, it's tough on the Blues, uh, but long term it's it's probably a reasonable solution. Bernie, you were at Hamilton uh, on Saturday night. Fiji's second go at the All Blacks. Perhaps I'd, I think the All Blacks were slightly better. Fiji might have been um, just slightly worn out after the first uh, effort. I don't think they were quite as threatening. But what did you make of that little three-match 
window there of Pacific Island rugby coming into New Zealand. Did it give you hope and uh, confidence for the possibility of Super Rugby? Yes and no. Um, if you firstly talk about that Tonga game, it did leave me wondering what was the benefit of that. Um, you know, and, and even now you've got Tōtai Kifu saying everyone in Tonga who can play rugby as they desperately try to qualify for the World Cup against Cook Islands this weekend. Um, but boy, oh boy, were we shown up in that first game against Fiji. And for that alone, it was worth it. Um, there were some major deficiencies highlighted with the All Blacks. Um, it, it was brilliant. It's what we needed. We needed that fright. We needed to be exposed to see where we were vulnerable. Yep, we stepped up that next game, but we bloody needed to. I tell you what, if we played like that against the South Africans, we'd be toast. Comfortable, Jimmy? Am I feeling comfortable about the All Blacks? Um, yep. <laughs> it's hard to know. I mean, when, as Bernie said, when you look at you know the, those two or well, the three test matches, you know, you can't really get a gauge from it. Uh, I thought Australia were underwhelming against a, a weakened French team and, and probably should have lost all three test matches, really. Um, South Africa, man, I'm looking forward to them playing the Lions. We'll get a real gauge of what mm. they're there. It's, it's, it's very difficult to, to pick a winner there. Uh, but I just think if you look at that All Blacks team, boy, oh boy, Smithy, and, and you get the armchair ride to, to, to see them, there's some wonderful attacking talent. And, and if they can get their attack going, I think there'll be very few teams that can live with them. So, you know, I look at the exciting players that are coming through. The the Will Jordans, what a revelation. David Harvilli's been at second five. Um, you know, Damien McKenzie back there at fullback, those sorts of things. Real genuine competition at first five now with Bowden back to put some pressure on Richie Moanga. Dalton Papaletti coming through. I could go on. I, I'm excited by this All Blacks team. I think if they can if they can continue to build, they'll be a real threat at the World Cup. Okay, Jimmy, I'm asking everyone about this and Bernie, and I imagine you'll have a fairly strong opinion about it. Uh, The Laurel Hubbard issue, I don't even think, if the games go ahead and Laurel competes, I think it's going to become a much, much bigger issue than it is as we look at it this far out. Where do you stand on it? How do you think uh, Laurel Hubbard is coping with this? Because we never see her exposed in the media, do we? No, and I've had a good think about that this morning, Smithy, and my overwhelming view is this. I feel phenomenally sorry for Laurel Hubbard. Uh, That poor woman is subjected to some very, very vicious vitriol in in the anti-social media, as I like to call it. Um, And and I think we lose sight at times of the human involved in this argument and this debate and this discussion. Um, Look, she has been approved by the IOC to compete at these Olympics. And, and we just need to then move on from that and say, okay, this is, a, this is a human being. Let's discuss the science around it, yes. Let's discuss all the other issues that go around it, yes. But I think we, we, there needs to be a huge dial back on some of the vitriol that this poor person is subjected to. She's just there trying to compete and represent your country. And I admire her for that. There's a lot of other political stuff that can go on in the background to discuss it. But I just... I just I'm I'm disgusted to be to be perfectly honest at some of the vicious vitriol that is subject that she is. The names are not indigenous terms, and lumping everyone together. And that that is what I mean about the whole thing too, Jimmy. I mean you are so um, uh, you know you're into it and you feel so deeply about it, and I think the country is going to as well. 
Uh, Bernie, just finally, you have the last say today. Uh, I can't leave you out of this debate. Where are you on it? Oh, I completely agree. This is a human being that we're forgetting, um, you know, lives and breathes as someone's uh, daughter, someone's loved one. She said, it's not my goal to change people's minds. You know, I'd hope they try to support me, but it's not for me to make them do so. So you've got to cling to that. I must say, Thomas Bach, um, the head of the IOC, has acknowledged that the rules will be under review. He said the Olympic Committee is an inquiring phase and they will come up with some rules and guidelines uh, that you'd expect is for all sports. But that, to me, is raising a flag that this may be discussed further. No matter what, be prepared for good and bad press for Laurel Hubbard. It's coming. Okay, thanks very much uh, this morning. Very, very appreciative of you uh, giving us uh, 10, 15 minutes of your time. Bernadine Oliver-Kirby, outstanding. Jimmy Case, thank you so much. Uh, no doubt you'll be part of panels going forward with that, those kind of forthright opinions. Listen, folks, uh, 8833 is our text number. Uh, it's hot at the moment, that subject. Any of those subjects that we debated there would be uh, fantastic to get some feedback on. Or if you want to dare call us, you want to hear yourself on the radio, that would be a big thing to do. 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. Coming up to 11 o'clock, uh, 11 o'clock, Louis Herman, what? Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Caller of the Month uh, will win a trip to Perth for the Bledisloe Cup. Yeah, it's a fantastic trip thanks to Ballpark Entertainment. Uh, you're going to be winning uh, return flights, of course, so we're going to leave you over there. Two nights accommodation, breakfast, uh, match tickets, and they'll be in premier seating as well. There's hardly a bad seat at Optus Stadium, I promise you. It is uh, a stadium you'll never forget the experience there because it's just so easy to get involved. You can get involved in the station, of course, 8833 is our text number, 0800-150-811. That's the number to go into uh, the draw for that caller of the month as well. And uh, I will be asking you to call us uh, towards the end of the next hour when you can stump Smithy. Challenge you to come on and stump Smithy. $50 worth of TAB betting vouchers available to you just to, to beat me. Uh, I haven't been successful thus far, so you're a uh, $1.01 in shortening to get those $50 worth of TAB vouchers. Text coming in, John, they're coming in at a really good rate now because I imagine they would after a panel discussion like that. Uh, here we go. Jason, I completely disagree with the panel based on their logic. There should be no sport going on anywhere in the world except maybe New Zealand against ourselves. That's an interesting point of view. Murray says, I, I don't think the game should have gone ahead, but being able to watch live sport, bring it on. So he's a bit of a bob each way in that regard. Uh, surely it's the asterisk Commonwealth Games. Uh, this is an interesting WADA, of course, that's the, the drug agency. Uh, haven't had uh, they haven't had unrestricted access to athletes with, with the COVID going on, of course. So if I'm in downtown Morocco, I've juiced up to the max from March to December 2020, then wean myself off in the lead up to testing opening up, the testing opening up again. That's an interesting point of view. Uh, what do you make of those ones, John? Yeah, we've got very intelligent listeners, Smithy. Um, I would love if we had a name on that last text. Uh, that's superb. And even better would have been better on air because we're not going into the draw to win that Bledisloe Cup trip if you're the best caller. So if you think you've got a great sporting mind, you make a lot of sense, uh, then come on air and tell us in person. These texts are great, but we want you on air with Smithy. You know, uh, we want to hear these chats and we want to send you to Brisbane, uh, to Perth for the Bledisloe Cup. Well, that's, that goes throughout the day, actually. If you want to talk to... Baz and Izzy, 
put your life in your hands, go right ahead and ring them. You've got uh, Staffy between 12 and 4, he loves a chat and is a gentleman about it. And then you've got Beaver, of course, uh, Beaver, uh, Stephen Donald, the legend, the kick, uh, between 4 and 7. And then Ricardo at night. Uh, every one of those guys uh, and gals coming up when they come back from, uh, of course, across in Tokyo, safe and well, uh, will be enjoying relating those experiences, but hearing your opinions as well. And it's really important to us because this is a two-way street, this radio station. Uh, we'll give you the information, but we really do need your reaction. Here's one that's slightly different uh, off uh, the Olympic subject anyway. Smithy, do you think the ICC will add in a sixth day for more tests now to help get results? after how important it turned out to be in the championship. Love your work. Good to have SCNZ on the radio. Cheers, Sean. Yeah, look, it would be nice to think that that would be the case, Sean. I think the, rea- the, the ratio of test, match, test matches ending and results has gone up anyway uh, in the last five years. I think the, the style of play because of one-day cricket, because of T20 cricket, everyone just wants to get on with it more. Maybe even Baz McCullum was instrumental in that. You know, just making sure that every ball is a positive ball going towards scoring runs or taking a wicket. And, of course, if that happens, games tend to end quickly, more quickly. I think there's scope for it, though. I certainly think it's a wonderful thing, and it worked to a treat in the World Test Championship final. Uh, and that, to me, is really, really important. We'll be back shortly. Not because he looks like a horse, but because he knows a lot about horses. Uh, Louis Herman Watt joins us this morning. Uh, big news coming through for me that I read yesterday, uh, courtesy to some information uh, from Thoroughbred New Zealand, uh, Louis, and good news too for racing. Catalyst back uh, in the, on New Zealand soil. Change of trainer back to the experienced Tony Pike from Clayton Chipperfield. The big cat. That's that's not you. That's Catalyst, uh, Smithy. You'd be like a big puma or something. They're just stalking at the stalking the field out there. Uh, the Catalyst, Catalyst though, he is back. He is with Tony Pike, President Pike, as we call him. This horse is a jet. He's been so unlucky. We remember that C.S. Hayes stakes he ran against mm. Alligator Blood over at Flemington, just just racing theatre at its best. He hasn't had any luck, but he's back with Pikey, and Pikey's look. He thinks he's going well. I reckon he'll come back in the Foxbridge Plate over twelve hundred. He'll go to the Tarzino Trophy down your way over fourteen hundred. Then he'll be targeting the a sort of a big Group One mile race in Australia, maybe the Two Rack Handicap or something similar. But he'll mm. be a threat. Smithy, they're racing down your way this this uh, this fine Thursday, though, aren't they? Yeah, Louis, I'm looking out the window. Absolutely not a cloud in the sky. It is beautiful blue sky here. Uh, it's the last racing day of the season for Hawke's Bay. It's uh, stock agent day, so a lot of great fellas over there. Uh, and it's a slow eight, so not as opposed to a heavily 11 yesterday at Avondale, a slow eight. Uh, just before you give us something for today, Alligator Blood, that tested negative, didn't it, or positive for something? Oh, I was a bit touch and go for a while there. The owner is a weirdo. That's the best way to put it. So, oh, All right. Um, okay. Anyway, we'll leave it there. Alkema. Alkema? Hastings race seven number four yep. alchemia alchemia let's go with that short but in a different class you're getting about a dollar sixty here you can't Smithy. even get that right alchemia how do you go with Giannis if you can't get that right Giannis Antetokounmpo alchemia race oh, very good. well in the Sir Colin Meads uh, Trophy down your way as well running third the horses that came out of that race were the Irishman suffused she's a thinker who kicked off the rail and won very well this is super easy made in pickings for the Alexanders and they might even be listening on their way to the races if they're going there. Smithy, Alchemia, Lisa Orpress, senior jock, fresh, trialled like an absolute beast. A dollar sixty, run it through your multis. Okay, thanks very much. That's Louis Herman Watt there, uh, and that is a, a courtesy of uh, Love Racing. 
This is Mornings with Ian Smith. Eleven oh two here on SCNZ. Uh, we've got a busy last hour again this morning. Uh, we're going to be talking to Chelsea Alley, uh, who's um, of course uh, a Black Fern, fantastic rugby player. She also plays for Waikato, and the Farah Palmer Cup is up and running. And we're going to head across to Tokyo and try and get hold of Mitch McCann. Uh, and the, Mitch McCann, of course, news hub reporter uh, for TV3, uh, on the spot and able to give us an update on what things are like and uh, also a preview to the football on tonight with uh, the men's team going head-to-head. Uh, and that's uh, also a, a really important encounter on the back of the, the women's team missing out 2-1 to Australia last night. We have now got a very interesting segment in the show. Every Thursday we're going to look somewhere around the world at uh, a person that might have gone on to different things and tried different things, a l- sort of a where are you, what are you doing now scenario. I'm very pleased to say that our debut performer on this is a, a great mate of mine and one of the great characters of New Zealand and a true all-rounder. Dean Robert Lonigan, M-N-Z-M. How'd you get that? Former rugby league player for the Kiwis, the Canberra Raiders. He's a green machine man. Of course, he's a well-known broadcaster and events promoter. Uh, he's done pretty much everything you can think of. First of all, Mr Lonigan, where are you now? Mate, I'm, uh, I was just sitting in a wonderful Ponsby Road Cafe. I'm, uh, I'm back from Australia for a week or two, given what's going on in the bloody COVID over there. It shut down the entire economy. So I got back here last Saturday, and I'm in this amazing cafe, cafe uh, Smitty, called Goodness. And it's run by Michelin star chef, and I've only just found it last week. And I've got to tell you, it has the world's greatest French toast, sweet French toast I've ever had. And I'm about to have the beef wagyu hash brown, so I cannot wait. Oh, my God. <laughs> what? I'm, I'm looking at it. It's 11.05. That? That's Who about that right. Who was that in the background? That was Trudy Nelson, our newsreader, who's listening in on this. <laughs> And amazing. can I say this, Smithy? A finer, a finer-looking yep. newsreader you will not find in all of New Zealand. <laughs> and I'm led to believe. Uh, can I just? Is this like a dating sort of scenario? I'm led to believe she's single too, uh, Dino. And, and, and I, 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 I'm not sure if she's looking, but she's single. Mate, it's fair to say, Smithy, I haven't been able to find anyone who will put up with me. So I'm not holding my breath on the relationship stage. So I can promise you that. Oh, I cannot believe that in the whole of Brisbane you haven't been in, able to find any. Look, Dino, uh, here's the thing. You've been so busy. Um, we know what you've been doing over here. It's, it's a fill us in on what you've been doing o- over there. I know you've been involved heavily again in the, bo- the boxing promotional side of things because I've seen you with Jeff Warren. I've, I've seen you with Paul Gallen, and, and you've got others in your stable as well. have indeed, mate. Uh, probably three and a half, four years ago. I put on a major event uh, in Brisbane where Jeff Horn took on the great Manny Pacquiao. We put 51,000 people through Suncorp Stadium. And that's totally reinvigorated boxing in Australia over the last sort of four years. So uh, I had a blow-up with my former business partner, Duco, and I, I think a lot of people know the story. So I moved over there, uh, took over Jeff Horn, and been building um, the company up over there in a stable of boxes ever since. A new kid, uh, young fellow in New Zealand called Andre Mikhailovich. He's a uh, his nickname's the Russian, and he can really fight. So I'm very excited about that, and uh, got a whole lot of other stuff on the go. But COVID, of course, is restricting what we can do at the moment. Hence, I'm back in New Zealand, 
I sort of thought if I'm going to sit around and do not do a whole lot of not much, I might as well do it here at home rather than Australia. But having said that, I do live when I, when I'm domiciled and doing events on the Gold Coast. I do live there, and uh, mate, I really really enjoy it there. But I've been lucky enough to travel all around Australia and do events, you know, everywhere from Bendigo, which is uh, an old gold mining town down in Victoria, all the way to you know. Look at events, doing events in Mount Isa. We've done events in Townsville, doing them in Sydney, doing them in Brisbane. Really enjoying my time over there doing it and doing it with my son Liam, which is a real bonus. I was going to ask you about Liam. That's fantastic because I know how close you were to him. So to get him involved as well as, as an apprentice, I suppose at some point it'll be, uh, it'll be, his name will be in lights uh, and probably getting more of the money than you. But uh, that's fantastic to work with your son. <laughs> Mate, it's, it's probably the highlight, to be honest, Smithy. And uh, we're building, you know, building something together. And uh, I've got to tell you, it's re- it is hard work in Australia. Their business culture is very, very different to us. It's far more doggy dog, and it's a very tough environment. But once you get to know it, you understand it, you can work with it. And I think there's some great opportunities over there. So uh, really enjoying it at the moment. And probably the most exciting thing on the horizon we've got in boxing is we've got a brand new heavyweight called Justice Hooney, who just fought Paul Gallon a month ago and gave him quite a severe mm. beating over 10 rounds. And uh, Justice Hooney is a, an incredible talent. He's at heavyweight, and I do think he will go on to win a, uh, the heavyweight title at some stage, and he's on a fast track at the moment. You know, we're looking at doing some massive fights in Australia involving maybe Junior Farr and maybe Hemi Ohio, and then maybe heading up to England for Derek Chisora in a very, very short space of time. So it's fair to say that uh, we've got exciting stuff planned for Justice. Well, let's just talk briefly about boxing, Dino. Is it, is it just me, or has it become slightly more high profile? It, it dived away from the, the media side of things. It lost its profile, I think, there for a while. But is it is it just warming up again in your mind? Well, I think um, in New Zealand, Joseph Parker totally led to a resurgence of boxing. You know, you had David Tua do amazing things before him. And then, uh, you know, Shane Cameron was there. But now Joseph Parker... It's probably, you know, he's a little bit older now and he's not fighting as regularly, so he hasn't got the profile. But uh, I think boxing's on a massive resurgence all around the world. And leading the charge are the two guys, Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury. And Fury, in my mind, and a lot of people will say this is sacrilege, but he's the greatest self-promoter of boxing since since Muhammad Ali. And uh, as a result, you've got these two superstars in the world and you've got guys from Australia and guys from New Zealand who want to hunt them down. Um, they make headlines on a regular basis. So I think boxing in both Australia and New Zealand, you know, they're going through a massive resurgence. Uh, Joe's not fighting as often as he used to. And if he was to fight you know, another couple of times a year, I think you'd, you'd set the, the headlights a lot more. But what you will see with this Andre Mikhailovich coming through, and I'm looking at a couple of other Kiwis, they're going to be in the limelight a lot. And I can't tell you how happy I am, Smithy, that you've been ringing me because you're one of the guys I want to get them on with. Fantastic. I'll put them on. Don't you worry about that. We'll promote anything uh, over here, Dino, and we we'll support anything that's remotely sporting. It's 11.10 uh, here on SENZ. I'm with Dean Lonigan at the moment, one of my great mates, one of the great characters of New Zealand, to be fair. Lost to us at the moment uh, because he's uh, off to Brisbane. News coming through overnight, mate. I'm not sure you, where you'll be in 2032. The Games for Brisbane, the Olympic Games for Brisbane, God hopes that uh, viruses and things won't be a factor in our lives at that point. Exciting news coming through. Mate, it's absolutely massive. I work closely with an organisation called TEQ, which is uh, Tourism Events Queensland. And they, unlike in New Zealand, where the funding for events is quite minimal, the funding in Australia and the different states for events is quite significant. 
You know, in, in New South Wales and Victoria, you're talking literally hundreds of millions of dollars. And in Queensland, you're talking, you know, tens of millions of dollars. So it's an amazing uh, achievement for Brisbane to get those games. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Smitty, Australia might be the only one of the only countries in the world that have actually had four Olympics. They went, correct, did they go twice to Melbourne, once to Sydney, and now to Brisbane? That'd be right. Yeah, absolutely right. Yep. And, uh, so it's, it's, a, it's very, very exciting, coup. yeah. Oh, look, it's a massive coup you know, in Queensland. Oh, yeah. And it's big, very big. Oh, I, I was just, just going to say, uh, of course, a lot of New Zealanders remember you as a league man as well. Now, are you, have you gone with uh, Bannigan, Jim Bannigan? Have you gone with uh, Mel? Uh, where are your allegiances now? Have you, you, you sort of um, run with the hares and hunt with the hounds in, in terms of supporting the league now? Look, I, I still love watching the Warriors. I'm disappointed that they're running 14th at the moment. So my two favourite teams are, are, are the Warriors and, of course, the Canberra Raiders. I still talk to Jim Bannigan on a regular basis. I still talk to Mel Meninga on a regular basis. You know, Mel and myself, we were hatching a plan to do what was going to be very significant. There was going to have the All Blacks play the Kangaroos in a hybrid match. We got signed off at All Black board level. Couldn't get the uh, ARLC over the line, and that would have been massive. But that's something I haven't given up on. So, mate, I still have a lot to do with those guys. And one of the things I do say, because I do, I live in Australia probably more than I live in New Zealand. I'll never be an Australian citizen, but I can tell you this, me old mate, I am a Queenslander. And, uh, I, you know, their business culture, their culture is very, very aligned with what we do, you know, from an attitude point of view. So I do like doing business up there. One of the other things that's uh, reared its ugly head, and that's a very bad pun as well, is the concussion issue uh, in, in a lot of contact sport now, Dean. Uh, and when we talk about it in rugby, it's so heavily policed. It's now, I get a feeling it's now being more heavily policed in rugby league than it ever has been before. Of course, you're remembered well for the Lonigan shuffle. Um, and, and of course, uh, we, we know all about that and, and uh, what happened to you there. Uh, I just wonder, uh, what's your view on that these days? It's a major issue. I, I do believe there's a class action coming out of England against rugby union authorities uh, for that. There was a massive class action uh, in the NFL where former players have been compensated for the injuries, the brain injuries that they've had. It's a huge issue in rugby league. And would you believe this? The research coming out of Australia, it's actually you get more concussion playing AFL sports than you do in rugby league, which is quite interesting. And the rugby league have tried to clamp down on it, and I don't know that they're going about it. They've certainly got the right idea, but they're not quite going about it the right way. And, of course, in boxing, concussion is a big issue in our sport as well. Now, I have... Um, thing called a matchmaker. What a matchmaker does, mm. Huey, um, sorry, somebody, is he makes all of my fights. Because I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at doing TV deals and sponsorship and selling tickets, but I don't know the ins and outs of boxing as well as I'd like. So he puts together all of my fights. Now, he's passionate about the sport. He's looked all around the world for a technology that recognises concussion, concussion of what's going on in your brain. And he's found it with his amazing neurosurgeon in New York. Um, a product which actually you know, looks into the retina and, and can judge what's going on from a concussion point of view. These are the sorts of things that's going to have to be used going forward uh, as, as um, safety precautions for these contact sports because, mate, it is a massive problem and I can see if it's not tidied up in the next one to two years, there will be class actions coming. Tino, and that brings me to another point. Are you world famous for Fight for Life? I mean, you know, you just made it a giant of a beast of a thing on an annual basis. Does that now 
uh, fight for life and, and you know the amateur side of things with concussion and these issues does that make it a harder sort of venture to try and promote even if you wouldn't wanted to these days I think it's a fair point Smithy but I think the fact that I'm very very close to this world leading and, and cutting edge technology uh, if we were to bring that into, you know, which we, we do, we bring it to the fore. All my boxes, we tested by it. We test for concussion on a regular basis. You have to look at these protocols and you have to, you know, adhere to them significantly closely. So would I do it again? The answer is I probably would, but I'd definitely be bringing the technology that's, you know, cutting edge to make sure that the guys go in there, you know, they're, they're going in there from a safety first point of view. Because even with my professional boxes, I have two mantras for them and two mantras only. One, yeah, you want to become wealthy, and I'm going to help you do that, but you also want to finish up the sport healthy. And one of my proudest things that I've done is, you know, we, uh, we managed to make Jeff Horn, uh, and obviously in my time with Joseph Parker, they've become very, very wealthy, and both of them, you know, certainly Jeff has finished up now, mate, he's come out of the sport pretty healthy, and that's, that's, that's a big deal to me. Well, I hope you're making a quit out of it too, Dean, because I'd hate to think you're putting all this hard work on and, and just giving the money to charity. Uh, look, mate, uh, I know you've I pointed out the fact that... I'd give, up, I'd give up all of my money to have a quarter of yours any day. You are, without doubt, New Zealand's <laughs> greatest ever broadcaster when it comes to sport. And I've got to say, there was a moment recently, maybe two years ago, maybe three years ago, when I think the Kiwis played the Aussies at Eden Park. And you did this amazing piece. New Zealand won on the last or second to last ball and went for a six. And I heard that the commentary box after you had your spiel stood up and clapped and gave you a standing ovation. I remember watching that and looking at it thinking, geez, that is one of the best bit of commentaries I've ever heard. So that's a big rap for me coming from me. You know that. Yeah, everyone clapped apart from Shane Warne, I can promise you, because we knocked over the Aussies that night. But, <laughs> hey, Dino, you, you, you've, you've mentioned, thank you very much for that too, just by the by. Um, I love your work too. Um, and I, I, I must admit, it's, as you've pointed out, right at the very start of this uh, cool interview, uh, it's get, it's very, very hard to do things uh, with COVID floating around the piece. So what is on the immediate and uh, I'd say six, eight-month radar for you, Dino? Well, right now I'm trying to put together six different events in Australia between now and Christmas. Uh, and we're a little bit COVID-dependent, number one. And number two, I've got a broadcaster in Fox Sport I've been working with for a very long time. And I have to put ideas up to them and say, OK, this is what I want to do. How does this, from a timing point of view, so I'm pretty much, I'll be honest with you, I'm pretty much booked up, not only between now and Christmas, but for the next 12 months, I've got a fair idea of what I'm going to do. It just comes down to how, how we're allowed to do it from a COVID standpoint. And I guess the sooner the vaccinations roll out, the better, so uh, we can get on with life as normal. But as we do, we all know in this world, the variants uh, aren't exactly as good as they could be, and they sometimes make things not as easy as it could be. But we just got to roll with the punches and do our best. Yep, roll with the punches. Uh, if I ever associate that phrase with anyone, it's uh, the legendary Dean Lonergan. Hey, Dino, absolute pleasure catching up with you, mate. So pleased that you're doing so much great work, and with Liam as well. It, uh, it really make, does make me feel quite satisfied with, with where you're heading and what you're doing. Hey, mate, I, I can see the wag you. Even from here, I can see the wag you coming. I know you're not going to leave much as usual, so uh, thank you, and enjoy <laughs> Ponsonby before you head back, boy. I will indeed, Smitty, and thank you so much for uh, having me as your different sort of debut interview. And do me a favour, pass on the phone number to the lovely Trudy Nelson because I am free and available over the next couple of days. Okay. I can see her right on one of my monitors. She's so excited about that fact there. I'm going to do just exactly that. That was Dean Lonigan, folks. Uh, There hasn't changed one iota when you hear him on the radio like that, and never should he either.
Uh, Chelsea Alley coming up next uh, with us here on SENZ. Chelsea, of course, the Blackburn and playing for Waikato in the Farah Palmer Cup. It's up and running. Chelsea next. Smithy, mornings with Ian Smith. Weekdays from 9 on SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Waikato pressing in the opening two and a half minutes. Ellie, they've got numbers wide. They might not beat him because Ellie's so strong. And they've got it underneath it. No ball down. Try given. What a start for Waikato and their captain, Chelsea Ellie. Yes, the commentary there from uh, SENZ's very own Ricky Schwanel. Uh, Chelsea Alley is uh, on the show of this this morning, and I'm very pleased to say that because uh, I've enjoyed her um, input into Sky Television's coverage, actually, and she's very, very good at, at being an analyst as well, but she has to put her playing gear back on because Waikato against Canterbury, uh, 1 o'clock uh, this Saturday at uh, Hamilton Marist. First of all, uh, good morning, Chelsea, and welcome to SENZ. Morning, Smithy. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, as you said, um, I'm not doing the analysing on the TV anymore, but at home on the couch, I'm ahead of this weekend's game against Canterbury. So, yeah, looking forward to kicking into it. Well, it's a big game for you because, of course, I think you'd probably be still smarting against uh, uh, playing against Canterbury after the last time uh, you played them as such. Now, I, I remember watching that game. I, I thought you guys w- were a bit stiff, to be fair. Yeah, it was a tough game for us. So, like, uh, it was 95% of our girls' first time ever in a final. So, I guess uh, we, we felt the pressure a little bit. And, um, I mean, we, we lost it in the 83rd minute, which, which just shows, I think. But mm. our, our um, what we're saying this year is, you know, you've got to lose a final to win one, I think. So, we've got um, retained most of the same squad and girls are a bit more experienced, a bit more calm, collected. So... Yeah, hopefully we can go one better this year so I don't have to um, keep uh, seeing the replay of that final. <laughs> yeah, it hurts. I've played in a lot of losing teams myself. I know it hurts looking back on those things. How, how, how many of your squad have you managed to retain? With with the, that determination to try and uh, turn that result around, have you managed to keep a, a pretty full squad from last time? Yeah, we've, we've done well with our retention. Um, obviously, girls didn't want to go out like that, so all the ones that are that are still here and able to be picked uh, pretty much made it. We've, we've lost a couple of our seven skills who are obviously over in Tokyo um, trying to win us a gold medal. But in saying that, um, we've got some really raw, fresh, new talent as well who have just blown me away and in the trial phase of, of picking the team. So we've got a good good mix of um, youth and experience in the team, I think, this year. Yeah, one of those players you've lost is uh, your number 10, Tanika Willison. So who's uh, going to carry that responsibility for you going ahead? Uh, we've, been, we've been pretty lucky um, in that area. We've had one of the girls who was out injured all of up last year um, back back in fully fit this year. So we've got Kennedy Tahoe out of Hamilton Old Boys and, a, and an old um, Cambridge High School superstar. So we've got her playing 10 and she's learning the ropes pretty quickly and I'm just helping her along as much as I can to get her confident. Chelsea, you've been very open, uh, which is great, fantastic, about the, the mental health side of things, trying to juggle three jobs uh, while being a semi-pro rugby player. Uh, how, how have you been able to make your way through that? What's, what's helped you? Um, I think over the years I've, I've realised um, about the balance that I do need to try and have in my life. I think when I was a lot younger, 
and obviously my, my biggest goal growing up was to be a Blackburn. So I guess I put all my eggs into that basket and I kind of burnt out um, as a young player, just trying to do everything I could to make it there. And I, I lost touch with some friends and didn't spend as much time with family as I could um, or give myself a, a mental and physical break every now and again. So, yeah, over the years I've learnt to, to do that and I've learnt that if I get that right, then I play much better. I play with a lot more freedom. I feel a lot less pressure on my shoulders. So, yeah, just for me, definitely having a really good support system and um, learning to take time away from the game, both physically and mentally, um, when I need to, has probably been the biggest one for me. That's great. It's absolutely fantastic. The women's game's growing. Uh, you're an integral part of that, yep. and, and your fellow Black Ferns squad members are. And I guess that the ideal is that, that at some stage it gets to the point of being fully professional uh, for you ladies, uh, <laughs> so you can really put your heart and soul into it for a, a very important period of your life. Um, do, you, do you see that? Do you see that coming sooner rather than later? Yeah, look, from, from when I first started playing in the Black Ferns, which was uh, 10 years ago now, to where we are now, it's progressed uh, really well. Um, and yeah, like the, the discussions that, that I have with, um, with people in NZR and the Players Association and, and that is that that is the goal, is to get us to be fully professional, um, to take some of that stress off of us women rugby players off our shoulders um, and have us fully just focus on rugby um, and, and that's all we have to focus on. So I'm hoping we get there, whether it's still when I'm playing or not. Um, I'm not too fussed on that as long as, for me, my goal is to do everything that I can while I'm in the jersey as a caretaker to, to make it better for the next generation coming through so that they don't have the kind of struggles and, and things that we deal with at the moment. Well, because of circumstances last year, you weren't able to play any test matches, but the news is so exciting. Uh, because you've got a couple of big yeah. ones coming up, uh, one in Christchurch against Australia, and then, of course, you're uh, kicking off the double header when the All Blacks play the Springboks on, on October the 2nd at Eden Park. Yeah. So, really, some goals, some something in the headlights for you. Yeah, uh, it, just, it feels so good to have test matches um, fully locked in for us. It's been so long. I think when we play that first test match down in Christchurch, I think it, it's going to be about 26 months between us, our test last test match so over two years for us Black Ferns 15 players which I think is one of the longest out of out of all the teams and all the sports so it has been a, a pretty tough time just um, trying to get everyone staying motivated and um, especially after that World Cup announcement you know and all through COVID girls were training 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 and just we didn't never really had anything to go towards um, mm. but in saying that it's been awesome just to see the resilience among the group and um, it's kind of brought out a, a whole new beast within us, I think. So that, now that that's out there and in the open, it's just it's definitely a goal in the calendar and, and something that is just going to motivate us even more. So I'm just so excited to get back out in the black jersey. I know all the other girls are as well, and um, I, I hope the rest of New Zealand is, is looking forward to seeing us back out there again as well. Yeah, I'm sure that they are. Uh, but the immediate goal is uh, Saturday afternoon at 1 o'clock, and it's Waikato yes. <laughs> against Canterbury. It is the Farah Palmer Cup, and that was Chelsea Alley speaking to us. And I'm so pleased that you gave us some of your time this morning. Hey, good luck at the weekend, and good luck going forward too. And don't be a stranger at Cheers, Sky buddy. because you're so damn good at what you do there. Thanks, Chelsea. <laughs> oh, thanks so much. Appreciate it.
Thank you very much. Okay, so uh, coming up in the next half hour, you can stump me. Come on, get on the phone, get on the blower, stump me. You can win 50 bucks worth of betting vouchers from the TAB. 0800 150 811. It's news time with she who drives a Porsche, Trudy. Hey, from four, drive with beef. Stephen Donald on SENZ. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. All right, Smithy, my time to shine. This is the segment, Stumped mm. by Smithy. When we get callers to come in, yep. they pick one out of three sports, and then if they get three questions right, they win a $50 TAB voucher, which is fantastic. So make sure you're a TAB account holder as well before you call up, because that will help us give you the money. And this morning... We have a lot of callers. We've got four on the line, but the first one is Kent. Kent, g'day, mate. Hello, boys. How are we? We are very well. Well, I'm very well. How are you, Smithy, in your home studio? First day in your home studio in Havelock North. Pretty comfortable, but I'll tell you what I would like. I'd like to win this this morning because uh, I'm losing a little bit of confidence here, so I've got a feeling Kent's going to help me win. Nice, nice. We like that. All right, Kent, uh, your three sporting topics this morning. You can either go for rugby union, you can go for golf, or you can go for Formula One. Which one is it going to be? Go for golf, mate. Golf. Oh, Smithy's very strong in golf, so you better be good as well. All right, let's get this started. Kent, how many New Zealanders have won golf majors? Two. Campbell and Charles. Are we counting? Are we counting females as well, Lydia Coke, or are we going males only? But just said, how many New Zealanders have won golf majors? Three. Three. That wasn't a slog. That was a calculated shot. He watched the ball all the way onto his bat, and then he let it rip. Beautifully done, Kent. I think Tony Gregg's only coming through in one channel, but he did say that you smashed the ball. For six, so well done. One from one, you are right. Bob Charles, Michael Campbell, and Lydia Coe. Craig Perks as well won golf's unofficial fifth major uh, back in the day, the Players Championship. So three New Zealanders have won majors. All right, question number two: What is Tiger Woods' real first name? Eldrick. Oh, so quick, so quick. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Am I making these too easy, Smithy? Well, I could have answered both of those two, to be fair, but here we go. All right. I've got a feeling I'm not even going to get a go here. Kent's on fire. He is. He sounds very assured. All right, Kent. Which major tournament has Rory McIlroy not won? Oh. Pressure's on, Kent. I don't think he's won the Masters. I couldn't be honest with you on that one. I'm going to go the Masters. There he goes! All the way! Up into the stand! What a hit into the first tier! That's hitting a cricket ball! You've smashed it out of the park. Golf, your strong suit. Smithy didn't even get a look in. Congratulations, Kent. You have won $50 worth of TAB vouchers. Stay on the line and give us your details. Thank you, mate. Cheers, Smithy. Hey, where are you from, Kent, anyway? And anything yeah. you want to ask, Smithy? Sorry, mate, what was that? Uh, where are you from in the country and anything you want to ask Smithy? Um, well, I'm actually, funnily enough, from the same spot as the lad that rung yesterday, uh, top of the south in Marlborough. Oh, love it. Fins up again. Yep, yep. No, he, um, yep, he, he did us, we didn't do us proud yesterday, but I'll carry the baton for us. Oh, 
Oh, you're a good man. Well done, Kent. Congratulations. Cheers. Thank you, boys. There you go, Smithy. Another winner and second time in four days that you haven't even got a chance to stump anyone. Oh, we've got some cool people that are, that are ringing through, and thanks very much to Sean and Brian and Chris who tried to get through. Uh, we'll make sure that you have the opportunity at the same time tomorrow morning and every weekday morning here around about this time to try and stump me. It's not hard, actually, to be fair. Uh, I, I've actually got to the point now where I'm trying to uh, Google things, but the answers are coming through too quickly because I'm sick of sounding like an absolute loser. So you've so just I, said that you're cheating, fair, Smithy, like an Aussie, like an Aussie cricketer. You are cheating in the Stump by Smithy quiz. No, there's no sandpaper involved, and uh, I think Google is a, a legitimate form of uh, finding information these days, John. Yeah, um, fair you know, enough. So I, I, I just not, I don't think I'm quick enough on it, to be fair. <laughs> uh, and they do get first crack of the whip. They do get first, you know, don't they? They, they do, do get the first opportunity. So uh, Kent uh, from Marlborough, I love Marlborough actually, great area. Uh, Horton Park and Blenheim, wonderful little cricket ground, doesn't get enough attention to be to be absolutely honest with you, and uh, they've had produced some great sportsmen in Marlborough. My goodness, over the years, probably the most famous would be Rungy. Leon McDonald. Yeah, absolutely. The king of Auckland. Don't forget that he's come from uh, Blenheim. Absolutely. Born and raised in another guy who could have done well in cricket, like Israel Dagg, but chose rugby. Absolutely. Hawk Cup player, actually. He's a night Hawks Bay. The opportunity to win the Hawk Cup with a big partnership there. Uh, with Brendan Diamante. Here's a name from the That's past. That's a great so, name. Didn't Brendan uh, Diamante yeah. almost win us a Chapel Hadley uh, series up in Brisbane, but then the game got washed off and he was still at the crease and he was going to get us home? Yeah, it might well have been the case, actually. You've got a lot better memory when it comes to those. I, I'm hopeless. Uh, without Crick Info, without Wisdom, I mean, like, every, every result just, apart from the really, really big ones, just uh, they just absorb into each other as far as I'm concerned. Move on to the next one. Uh, hopefully we've got uh, Mitch McCann. We're trying our best to get through to Mitch McCann. Now, Mitch, uh, as a journalist on behalf of uh, News Hub TV3 over there on the ground in Tokyo, we, we really do need an update on uh, now that it, uh, things have got underway, now that we've had uh, a couple of events, uh, New Zealand team has already been involved, of course. What's the feeling now that we can actually witness some sport? In other words, uh, has it slightly eaten into the COVID issue? Mitch McCann next, hopefully, from Tokyo. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 0800-150-811. That's the phone number. 8833 is the text, but that phone number is important because if you're caller of the month, you'll win a trip to two or two people to Perth for the Bledisloe Cup. It's going to be exciting. really is going to be exciting at the moment. We're pleased to say that, that Perth is actually clean. Uh, you can come and go from Perth. That's the good news about that competition. Courtesy of Ballpark Entertainment, we thank them for their support now. We've uh, got Mitch McCann on the line from Tokyo. There's a bit of a delay here, folks, uh, and that is, of course, the distance and the satellite and all sorts of things that are involved with technology today. Mitch is uh, a News Hub reporter. I've seen him uh, several bulletins. They're looking pretty warm, actually, in Tokyo conditions. Uh, Mitch, uh, thanks very much for joining us this morning, New Zealand time. Uh, first of all, we've had some activity. Uh, we've had New Zealand actually involved in the Olympics prior to the opening ceremony. Has that just taken a little bit, now that we're playing some sport, a little bit of the focus away from COVID from your point of view? Yeah, good morning, Smithy. I think it certainly has. I think over the last couple of days, there have been a few media stories floating around saying that, you know, the games could still be cancelled before they've begun. And, 
as you mentioned before the opening ceremony has even started, the games have begun. So that's a good sign. So the Kiwis, of course, took on the football ferns. Uh, the football ferns last night obviously took on the Aussies. Uh, they lost two one, uh, which was a bit of a shame. They got a late goal though from Gabby Rennie, which was pretty awesome. But yeah, it does seem as if the um, the COVID talk has died down a little bit today. Apart from the fact there were 1,800 new cases in Tokyo yesterday, which was the highest since January. But in terms of the Olympic Games, it doesn't seem to be uh, under threat today, if you know what I mean. So that's some some good news, I guess. We've been having a bit of a poll here this morning. In fact, the boys asked me on breakfast this morning, what chance did these Olympic Games have of getting through to the closing ceremony? Uh, what would... What, what do you re- if you had to put a, a, a number on it, a percentage on it at this stage, being on the ground over there, uh, what do you think the chances are of that? Look, I think I think it's about sixty percent, sixty seventy percent that it will finish. I think the problem is here that if it gets into the athletes' village anymore, we've had three or four cases, right? If it got into the athletes' village even more and started to spread throughout there, I think that would be what would cancel the games. It would be an absolute disaster. From my experience coming into Japan, the testing regime here is really full on. So if you manage to get COVID into Japan, uh, you're doing something special because they're doing everything they can to stop it. But I say, you know, if, if someone here caught it from a member of the public and then spread it through the village or the media, that's the disaster I think that would end the games. But I think hopefully that would be pretty unlikely, but it's hard to tell somebody. We're talking to News Hub's uh, Mitch McCann, who's doing a damn fine job actually keeping us informed. Uh, informed of what's going on over there so much focus on these games for so many reasons and uh, we have had them started last night uh, but we're also in action tonight uh, the women's uh, football fans not able to get up over Australia last night but the Ollie Whites are, are in action uh, and that's against uh, a fairly formidable opponent first up in Korea they won the bronze back in 2012 so they were the opponents uh, how do you see this one going and, and how do you see the makeup of our side tonight bearing in mind Mitch, we can throw those uh, three overage players into the tournament as well. Yeah, so unlike the women's competition, which is open grade, we can put three senior men in our under-23 football team or under-24 football team, which is pretty good. So we've got a pretty favourable draw from what I can work out in this tournament. We've got uh, South Korea, Honduras, and I think it's Romania. So we might have a good chance of getting through uh, to the next stage of the Olympic Games. We didn't qualify in 2016, so, uh, uh, you know, Many would say that we don't have much of a chance, but we do have a good draw, Smitty, so that's the good thing. So while our women's football team has a very uh, difficult draw, and they've already lost their first game, uh, they, the men's side, they actually have a good chance. So they've got a good side tonight, and I hope they can uh, get us on the board here in Tokyo. It would be good to get a win for our uh, Olympic team even before the opening ceremony tomorrow night, which is a, a whole other story itself here in Japan. But it would be great to see the Kiwis get a, a win on the board, and then... Uh, we've got some rowing heats tomorrow. So we've got some favourable events uh, to start these Olympic Games, which is nice to see. Yeah, we hope to be able to talk to Mahi Drysdale tomorrow morning, actually, uh, um, in terms of the rowing and, and our chances there. What percentage of our team would have arrived in Tokyo by now, would you say, Mitch? Well, from what I can make out, Smithy, I think it's uh, probably just under half our team. The problem is here in Japan, normally they would spend a couple of weeks uh, in Japan in the Olympic Village having a great time, uh, you know, not worrying about social distancing. But there are different rules this time where the athletes can only come five days before competition and then they've got to be out three days. 
uh, after competition. So there's kind of no hanging around having a big party in the Olympic Village. So, um, yeah, I'd say probably just under half our team at the moment. More seem to be turning up at the Village every day. Um, welcomed by a haka from the rest of the uh, New Zealand team. There's 211 athletes we've got uh, that are coming here overall. It's our biggest ever Olympic team. And it's, you know, it's quite interesting given that we're holding an Olympics in the middle of the pandemic, but it's the biggest Olympic team we've ever taken to one of these games. And that's the same for a number of other countries here too. So while it might be a different Olympic Games, we do have some really good chances at winning uh, quite a few medals. It would be great to see. I think in, in Rio, we, we maybe won 18 medals or something like that. So that's kind of the number to beat this time. And hopefully we can do it in the next couple of weeks. Mitch, thank you very much. That was uh, Mitch McCann uh, live from Tokyo for us, uh, an update on uh, just what's happening over there. And yes, uh, New Zealand up and running and the Ollie Whites, of course, facing Korea uh, later this evening, New Zealand time. Uh, take a short break here and when we come back, uh, our closing chat for the morning uh, with Mark Stafford and uh, an idea on what Staff's got coming up between 12 and 4 uh, this afternoon. He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. There's plenty got past me in the day, I can tell you. Ask John Brace, well, he'll give you an honest opinion. Uh, look, speaking of honest opinions, we've got uh, the man who takes us through from 12 to 4. You heard, just heard Kirsty talking about our lineup, actually. But I firmly believe that the man who uh, should be captain of our SENZ team, our on-air team at the moment, is Mark Stafford, because... Uh, he has the, the longest shift. He goes from 12 to 4. He's probably the most learned of all of us. He sits back and takes a more reflective opinion. There's no emotion into what he does um, for m- the most part. Uh, so I'm going to say, uh, morning, Skipper. What do you got in line for, uh, for us this afternoon? Jeez, I, I feel a little bit like Aaron Smith's been biffed to the captaincy for a game, mate. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but it's a, it's a long haul, four hours by yourself. And... Uh, you know, but I do love the interaction with with the people out there at home at work. And there was a bit of a bit of a theme came through a couple of days ago. We got a lot of phone phone calls and texts from people driving trucks. I loved that truckies and van drivers and that sort of thing. And um, can you believe we actually got a phone call yesterday from a Kiwi living in Vanuatu? Wow, that's amazing. Mm. So we're reaching, we're reaching out there. We sure are, and I've invited him back on and to be an official Vanuatu uh, correspondent, and he lapped it up. So uh, he's been stuck there since COVID sort of hit, and um, he's just stuck there. And he said they're COVID-free, but um, no chance of getting home, so he's just staying there. Bizarre. Well, he could be a, man, a very important man to you because if, if Vanuatu won the marathon or something, I'm not even sure what they've got. They've got athletes in involved in, in the Olympics, but if they win the, the marathon or something like that, uh, he might be our only correspondent. I'd imagine, I'm going to have a guess, and I'm not Googling or anything, I'm going to say they'll have a weightlifter, they've probably got a boxer, um, maybe a hurdler, something like that, Vanuatu, high jumper, mm. <laughs> something like that. Steffi, we're, we're already involved, uh, we, we're, it says 2-1 on the score sheet, but um, I think there were comprehensively outplayed uh, the football fans. The gentlemen have a crack today. Our under-24 is boosted by some real experience in, in that side as well uh, against Korea. I, I'm, a, you know, I, I'm reserved on, on the whole Olympic thing. I'm not, I'm not ex- actually going to say one way or the other whether I feel it should be on or not. I, I think perhaps I'm in favour of, yes, it should be on. 
Uh, and I'm going to be resi- I could be proven wrong, and if COVID breaks out badly there, uh, you can point the finger at me and say you're an idiot, Smithy, and, and that's fair enough. Uh, but I'm so pleased to have uh, action to talk about. That's that's my point. Yeah, the thing that disappoints me about it, Smithy, is the main talking point isn't the competition, isn't the events, it's as they should be on. And I just feel like in recent years we've moved away from the actual contest. Like ev- even in rugby, you know, it's more about decisions and referees and oh, it was a terrible crowd and they should have played at Eden Park and not in And we're losing sight of the actual event. Let's focus on events, people. Well, focus is the key word, and that's from 12 to 4 with Staffy this afternoon. Good luck on your show, sir. Uh, fantastic morning. Thanks to Brian on the panel. JD, who's uh, been bringing people left, right, and centre, trying to jack up guests. We'll be doing that this afternoon, too, for tomorrow. We're going to get out of here. Pretty, we very quick bulletin. She's driving the Porsche up to Constantly very shortly. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.